monumental sports and entertainment along with PressBox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And welcome aboard on this Saturday morning, June the 15th. The Bat Around is on the air with your Bat Around guys. Craig Heist to my left, and I'm Stan the Fan. Now, yes. we still have Bonza on the open. Yes. Okay. He he texted text me this week. Right. He's Actually, still looking for residuals? Residuals, but but he may it may have been a Facebook post is what it was. Okay. Talking about how traffic and and what they need to do to fix a problem on the road or whatever right. this you know and i'm thinking to myself boy this is rich you complaining about traffic when all you do is go 75 miles an hour down 270 to get around everything yeah yeah that's it that's his traffic that, that's his that's his method of fixing traffic yeah is speed right and avoid the police and, and avoid the police yeah but well, anyway. we've known that about Bonza for a long time. For a long time. He's avoided the police. <laughs> anyway, how are you this week? I'm all right. How are you? Uh, boy, some ugly bad. You know, this is one of the very few times during the course of the year where both the Orioles and the Nationals overlap with games at home. times they do that? Maybe like two or three times uh, a year top? Yeah, and, and a lot of it has to do with it because, well, number one, they play each other. Right. Okay? So that knocks off two games depending on where the calendar right. lies. And then there are uh, a couple where they're home at the same time, but that means like last week I got like four days off because I, you know, didn't need one of them were home. Right. Okay. So we like that. Well, exactly. So does Nick Triantopoulos. Time time off is good, but it gives you enough chance to go over there and 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 spend money and spend money and watch the NBA finals and the NHL finals. Right and and then watch Nick lose money. <laughs> that's another <laughs> that's, that's another story all together. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you know. So here here we are last night, and I'm and I'm kind of keeping an eye on the on the Orioles game, and I'm thinking to myself, boy, this got ugly quick. Yeah, and and evidently it did. And Mr. Straley was up to his old tricks last night, and uh, I don't have an idea of what is going on with him. Uh, but you know he had a, he had a decent outing the last time out the two innings that he pitched, and then last night it all blew up on him. Uh, but I'm he telling gave you, up, he, he gave up seven hits, seven earned runs, four home runs in an inning and a third. Yeah, that's pretty nasty. That's pretty nasty. And, I, and you know I'm telling you, look, I'm not lying to anybody when I'm telling you that I saw this guy in the National League, and I thought for the Orioles, with what they're going through... Yeah, I thought he was going to be a good fit this He was going to be a good fit. in terms a disaster. A good fit in terms of eating some innings, giving you a chance you, to stay in ball games, and he's done none of that. You you know him fairly well from having from, covered him. I mean, you know him like League, you know yeah. Pat Rapp. Right. You know. <clears throat> Is he the type of guy that, that might just one day say, you know, I don't, I don't have it anymore, or is he going to exhaust every fiber of his being to try and get back to what he was. Knowing what I know of him, yeah, yeah, yeah the latter. Okay. I would think he'd try to do everything yeah. he can to. Because that was one of the ugliest performances. Mm-hmm. I, I got to tell you, the combination of Ortiz with the five walks in uh, in three and a third innings, uh, nine total batters reaching base in three and a third innings, and then Straley, that was perhaps the ugliest pitching outing 
I've ever seen by the first two pitchers to ever pitch an Oriole game. Really? It was really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the redeeming part of the night was Josh Rogers. He had a very uh, impressive performance where he probably opened up some eyes within the organization because Mike Elias and Brandon Hyde and Sig, they're not that familiar with Josh Rogers. I'm sure they knew where he came from and his pedigree and all that, but that was a good performance last night. Well, yeah, and, and that's what this whole thing is about, Stan, and you know it as well as anybody. Yep. It's just that you know there, there's, there's going to be a lot of pain with a lot of losses this year. I, I think the only thing Oriole fans would like to see is this team play competitive baseball. Last night was not a competitive game by any stretch of the imagination. But that's what this is all about, yeah. is giving guys like Josh Rogers a chance to, yeah. you know. Well, it's interesting. And not I just him, but others as well. I'm not saying that, like a, like a fan with an opinion or a broadcaster, that they're going to listen to our opinions. So I'm not saying that Luis Ortiz or Dan Straley got scratched off some magical list by the Orioles last night. But I will tell you that I think Josh Rogers moved ahead of both of them. And now if the club is looking for somebody that could take Dan Straley's place, should they release him? Or the next time they have a, a, a start, maybe Kashner, mm-hmm. the blister pops back up again, I would say that Josh Rogers has re-pumped more life back into his Orioles career. Right, and, and, and confidence too yeah. as well, you know. So that can only help him going now, forward. Now, how late were you up last night? Did you did you see what happened in that uh, Padres-Rockies game? I didn't see what happened in the Padres-Rockies game, and I was in the middle of the post-game show last right. night on the Nats radio network when uh, all of a sudden – the Braves come up with three in the bottom of the ninth inning to beat the Phillies. So. Uh, that was that was one. Well, the yeah. the Rockies had an eleven to five lead going to the top of the ninth inning. Mm-hmm. They lost the game in thirteen innings, sixteen to twelve. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's... Wade Davis gave it up in the ninth, and then uh, some other reliever. You know, after uh, Oberg came in and pitched two shutout innings, and then this other guy got in the game in the thirteenth inning. Um, I think it was the 13th inning. It was either 12 or 13. Anyway, the final score was 16-12 Padres Mm -hmm. in a game that I'll I'll bet is a 98%, 99% that the Rockies were going to hold on to win when they brought Wade Davies into that Uh, Well, you would think so, you know, because uh, he's usually uh, pretty good at the back end, so... They didn't get that done last night. And late night last night, two five to three games as the Cubs jumped out three nothing over the Dodgers. But the Dodgers came back to to beat uh, Kyle Hendricks and got a solid performance by Rich Hill. And right uh, right now, you'd have to say that team in the National League is the head, Dodgers, head and shoulders, head and shoulders above, above everybody. everybody. Yeah. I, I I'll tell you the team that now has really opened my eyes a little bit is Atlanta. Uh, you know, I still expect that they have enough juice in their farm system to pick up a Will Smith or or Greg Holland or somebody that can close out games a little bit better than what they have right now. Yeah, so we'll but, see. But again, it's, it's certainly a team, and a lot can change between now and the July 31st trade deadline. Uh, but this is a team, along with the other four top teams in that division, that all have their flaws. And, and we saw the Phillies get really hot for a little stretch. We saw now the Braves get really hot for a stretch. 
The Nationals had won 12 out of uh, 17. 17. That was 13 right. of 19. Right. Uh, but they're they're still, you know, trying to find their they, – they can't start talking about anything until they get to 500. Right. Once they get to 500, if that happens, then you can start setting your sights on the teams that they have to chase. I will tell you this, and I don't have it – I might have it actually in front of me, but <clears> – <throat> The next, including the current series that the Atlanta Braves and the Phillies and the Nats are playing right now. Right. If you count that as number one, the number one series, the, going into Thursday, the next seven series that those three teams play, Atlanta plays six of seven good teams. The Phillies play five of seven good teams, and that includes playing each other, by the way. Philly versus Washington. Uh, Atlanta versus Washington. The Nats have three out of seven good teams. The Nats, after these next 11 games, they play three against the Marlins, three against Kansas City, three against Detroit, right. three more against the Marlins. Right. They've got 12 games where they are basically, I'm not saying they'll go 12-0, and 0, but a darn good chance of going 9-3, and 10-2. And, and while Atlanta... And the Phillies are playing tough teams. Right. So I expect the Nationals to be back in this thing. Well, you know, it's funny. It's funny. The guy that I work for at AP uh, said to me earlier this week on the phone, we were discussing schedules and things of that nature. He said, uh, he says, I'm not really saying this to anybody. He says, but I still think the Nats are going to win that division. And I said, well, I, I don't know whether they win the division at this point, but I know one thing that I don't think whoever does win this division is going to win it by – more than having 90 wins. Right. You know, I, I think it could. I think Atlanta's capable. And, and to me, that's on the high side. I think Atlanta's capable as they're built now. That includes getting Keuchel in three yeah. weeks uh, to win 90-plus games. But I certainly think if you were looking around the National League right now and going, all right, Dodgers are going to win that division. Okay, it's a little bit of a scrum in the Central. Uh, and Atlanta's going to win the East. And I'm not saying that's done. But I would start looking at wild cards, and I still think the Nats have an excellent chance to win the number one wild card. That, that's certainly a possibility, but as it stands right now, there's still a six-game separation yep. between I'm aware of the, the second wild card and the Nationals. Yep. So they've got work to do. There's no question. The schedule will get a little bit more favorable for them after this 11-game homestand. You know, but the bottom line is somebody asked me yesterday, too, what I thought uh, about this 11-game homestand, what kind of record do they – and you know the players and managers and, and the people right, involved. They don't think like they that. They don't think no. that. But I'm thinking if the Nats go 7-4 and four on this homestand – They're in good shape. They, they've done themselves well and set themselves up to do well if they continue – uh, to progress with not a lot well, of those injuries. Those 12 games I mentioned are after these 11. So if they go 7-4 and four, and then let's let's just say on the low side, 9-3, and three, right. that's 16-7 and seven over a 23-game stretch. That'll have them well over a couple, two, three games over, over 500. 500. Right. And here's the other thing about maybe how this can happen, too, is the bullpen for the Nationals, much maligned, obviously, over the first and two months of this season. So, and deservedly so. But all of a so, sudden, it's... All of a sudden, a 2.08 ERA they are pitching to since May the 31st. So, again, it looks like some of these things are starting to fall back into place, uh, and, and they're starting to pitch guys at the back end a little bit, starting to pitch better and more capable 
uh, or you know, so that were you there? The supposed year? to. Were you there Thursday night? Yeah. When, so you saw Rosenthal pitch an inning. I know it's a uh, Rosenthal pitched an inning. How yeah. did he look? He looked fine to me. Yeah. yeah. And that's two straight back to back. The one in Chicago where he came in in the ninth it's inning, huge he, he lost. Them. It's huge, huge for them. For them. Yeah. And, and we made that comment yesterday on the pre and the post game show that if he, if he can come back and pitch the way that Trevor Rosenthal. <laughs> is expected to pitch, that will do nothing but bolster their chances no second half of the season. It. We are broadcasting uh, the bat around each and every Saturday morning from the live casino hotel studios. We appreciate your listening. We ask you to please, if you've tuned in via Facebook Live, we're asking, and yes, we're even begging, to please share the broadcast, like it, and share it. Which I haven't done yet either. Well, well, Stan begs. I don't. I never beg. No, of course not. Of course, that's why you're so successful with the ladies. Exactly. Because you never beg. Never, never beg. beg. Never <laughs> beg. Um, anyway, let me let me get through what we've got on the show today. Todd Karpovich is going to join us. He's doing a good job for us. Baseball beat writer for the covers the Orioles for Pressbox, Pressboxonline.com. Our good friend and the father of Alexandra Pole. Adam Pohl is going to join us, play-by-play voice of the Bowie Bay Sox. Then the old left-hander, Ross Grimsley, is going to join us. He's also the host of the Ross Grimsley Show, a podcast heard here uh, normally on Tuesday mornings. This week it'll be Monday morning that we'll broadcast that show from the Live Casino Hotel Studios. At 11.20, we've got um, uh, an interview that Glenn Clark did. About 11 minutes long with Ron Swoboda. It's always great to have a Glenn Clark interview, okay, on our show Why on is a that? Saturday. But what I would really have liked was to get the audio of Glenn Clark losing another bet and singing <laughs> Achy Breaky Heart on his <laughs> on his show this week. We we need to find that audio. <laughs> now is that the one where he was wearing the cowboy? That's outfit? the one. Okay. And what did he eat? He ate a a bull's testicle or something? Uh, is that what yeah, it's called? Yeah, it's Rocky a, Mountain Rocky Oysters. Mountain Oysters, yeah. Okay. I guess it's, you know. Okay. Ron Swoboda. And they also have a new alcoholic, I guess it's an alcoholic beverage, uh, that is... is Meant to go no, to no, 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 no. It, it, that's actually made from the Rocky Mountain Oysters, okay. too. Oh, that sounds delightful. Yeah. Ron Swoboda... <laughs> Who, uh, by the way, was on um, Remember When with Ed Randall and Rico Petroselli this morning. He was in earlier this week, not in person, but he was on the Glenn Clark radio show Mm -hmm. about his new book, Here's the Catch, Barnes & Noble publication, memoir about his life and times, including the catch in the 69 World Series. Do we have to bring that up? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Richard Justice, MLB.com columnist, is going to join us. At 11.35. So joining us right now, all right, all right, is Todd Karpovich. We've got Todd right now. You told him two minutes, right? I did. That's Ryan Gettigan. I did. McGettigan. Because McGettigan. you wrote down on the paper, 10.18. Yeah. yeah. So it was basically Stan's fault. But again. I can put him through <laughs> now if you guys want me okay. to. All right. All right. Well, let's anyway. Let's just delay, you know. Wow. Let's just, let's delay. Well, you know, we, so Todd, we were in a delay there for a yeah, second. All right. Todd Karpovich anyway. joins us right now, uh, who copy who covers the Orioles and uh, uh, for PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com joins us now. Todd, how are you? Hey, Stan. Glad you got me uh, before Richard Justice. Uh, uh, but 
keep following that guy. I'm, I'm a good warm-up act. All right. Now, we've got some kind of static, and something sounds absolutely awful in my ears right now. Yours yeah, too, Craig? Yeah, but I think that's Carpy. <laughs> All right. We're not sure what that is. Uh, we can't we can't play that, though. Todd, we'll have to call you back in a minute, okay? Okay, sounds good. All right. I don't know what that was, but that was... I have no that idea. That was not good. No. That was not good. All right? So, I, anyway. don't, I don't know uh, what to do, but we'll figure it out. All well, right? Uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure our engineer over here will uh, figure it out at yeah. some point in time. Here. All right. We had a static there that uh, is going to set us back a little bit. Well, we had a static, but it also sounded like uh, Carpy was in, a, in, a, in, in an a, air tunnel somehow. He sounded like an air tunnel, and we sounded like we were in a, t in a tunnel. Yeah. Okay. But anyway. All right. My suggestion is to uh, contact uh, your boss. Okay. Sorry to do that on a Saturday morning. I'm sure that's <laughs> what Glenn's just looking forward to. But uh, yeah, but you know what? If you call him, I bet he picks up the phone and he's still <laughs> singing "Aggie Breaky Heart." <laughs> that's very good. Very good. Uh, Touche to you. Uh, now, the, getting back to the Nats for just a minute. The only thing that and it's it's it shows a difference of uh, a couple weeks. What's what's bothering you or what you're concerned about now is I'm a little concerned about Patrick Corbin. All of a sudden, I am too. Uh, only from the standpoint of he's lost command of uh, getting ahead of hitters, and I mean so much of and 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 basically, Dave Martinez has paired him with Jan Gomes, much like. Uh, with Strasburg, Suzuki catches Strasburg right. most of the time. And whether you're a fan of that kind of thing or not, uh, my, my way of looking at that is, you know, part of this could be Jan, you know, but Dave, Davey swears that the two of them work pretty well together. Okay. But I just think it's a mechanical thing with, with Corbin right now that he's got to figure out. Now, uh, what... what what causes me to worry less about it is I've got it as being four out of five subpar starts. Right. But in the middle of that, or or in the second of that series, was a three-hit shutout yeah, against a complete the game. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, who knows? And and he has talked about this being something he has to figure out. He thinks it's mechanical, and they they worked on it between the last start and the one before that but then he came back out you know for this last start and it wasn't real good again yeah. so some work still has to be done for patrick corbin to try to figure this out all right well i'm sure nobody's going to work harder at it than patrick corbin mm -hmm. who prior to this latest stretch of four out of five off performances had been solid as a rock for about tw about 10 yeah, and, and when some of the other guys were having trouble with lack of run support and things of that nature, whether it was Strauss or whether it was uh, Scherzer, yep. you know, Corbin was, was the solid guy for the first two months sure. of the season, even though his ERA was a little bit elevated. Uh, but he, here's the other part about that. If you think about Strasburg, over his last five starts, his ERA has come down a full run, almost a full run. Yep. Yeah. And so he, he's pitching phenomenally and right Scherzer's now. Scherzer's pitching like Scherzer. Right. All right. No, I'm We're sorry. Scherzer's Scherzer, ERA. Right. Right. He's gone down a run. Okay. Joining us now is Todd Karpovich. Uh, Todd, who is uh, covering the Orioles for PressBox and PressBoxOnline.com. Todd, are you there? 
Yeah, it just sounds much better this time around. Much better, much better. Yeah. I mean, you never sound particularly good anyway. But... <laughs> I have a guy a voice. I'm yeah, gotta... but on this, but on this Saturday morning, my guess was that you wouldn't sound good because of what you saw last night. <laughs> oh, a disaster! Hey, oh, Todd, man. you've wa- you've watched a lot of Oriole baseball. Can you recall a worse? two-person performance than Ortiz and Straley last night? No, I really can't. Straley's numbers, what, one to third? Seven runs, seven earned, seven hits. ER four now, four home. One, three. What's, yeah, I mean, what's four his, homers. What's, yeah. his, what's I mean, his ERA now? 7.13. Uh, 7. No, that was just brutal. And, and his, Ortiz, his, ER, his ERA at Camden Yards is, is even higher than yeah. that. And, so it's in double yeah. figures. And uh, Luckily, he got a one-year deal because he's out. I don't see him. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if he makes it through the season at this point. I you mean, know, they don't have much of a choice. It's you know, funny. When they, when they signed him, he showed that picture of the little leaguer wearing the Baltimore Orioles jersey that was him. Uh, yeah. He's pitching about like that little leaguer would against me. I think that little kid's throwing harder than him. Yeah. <laughs> and Ortiz was just awful. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, he was a spot. He was put in a tough spot with Cashner and the blister. Right. Um, and he wasn't pitching particularly well in the minors. No. So it was, seven... it was just a tough. It was just a tough spot for him. I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he wasn't ready for that. Obviously, yeah. it was. Uh, yeah, he's he's not ready for. I got to be honest with you, I, and I've repeated this probably ten times between Masson and this show. When you have a pitcher get acquired and you put him at Biloxi in 2016, which is Double A affiliate of the mm-hmm. Brewers when he came over to Milwaukee, and then in 2017 he spends the entire year in Biloxi. And then in 2018, until he's traded to the Orioles, he's in Biloxi. Uh, that's not a good sign that you're, no, that you're having trouble getting all. out of Biloxi. And, and I'll be honest with you. These trades they made last year, they aren't looking really good right now. No. Um, I was talking to somebody in the Orioles, and uh, uh, they, they said, I mean, I was talking about the draft, and they had so many college players. And some of that has to do with the guys who are a little more ready because of that. That that there's trade last there's last year they yeah. really did they're not looking great you know they should have gotten you know I think a better haul or these guys well in fa- they, in they got back in fairness in, along. in fairness one of the reasons you don't get a haul is when you're trading somebody that the other club is only getting for two months free agent yeah, yeah. they're, they're, they're yeah. you're not going to get tremendous uh, talent backwards Value. you know uh, yeah. the, the biggest thing that they got. In those trades, were getting rid of O'Day's contract, saving some money on Gosman, getting out of the embarrassment of um, of not signing Gosman during the off season because they were. He's gonna, really pitched poorly late, lately uh, he's, here he's, in, uh, in Atlanta. Yeah, so he's on the IL right now. But they they got very little now. The Dodger trade that brought back some talent that's going to take a little while. But in the case of Dean Kramer. Zach Pop, who was just operating well, on for Tommy John, and using yeah. El Diaz. We got, we got some talent along the lines there. I want to remind everybody, by the way, that when you talk about using El Diaz, we remember when we read about it last year, the Dodgers gave him a big signing bonus. He's a Cuban yeah. player. This guy, Jordan Alvarez, who's now considered the number one prospect in all of baseball, he was not signed by the Houston Astros. He was traded to the Houston Astros from the Dodgers for Josh Fields. So the Dodgers are not beyond having bought expensive young talent 
and then using them in trades because the money is a fungible asset to them. Yeah, it's a day of the chips. You know, they want to make a run out there. So yeah, I don't know if Diaz down. will ever be great, but I'll bet he's going to be a pretty decent player when push comes to shove. Yeah, in the middle of that last night, I guess we saw a little bit something out of Josh Rogers, which is good. You know, being that, able to give him, being able to give him four and third innings, really. No. Sort of about, I mean, it was, the game was out of hand by then, but still. Look, they also picked up in the in the O'Day and Gosman trade, they picked up that kid Zimmerman, uh, who's pitching well at Bowie right now, left-hander from, I think, the Eastern Shore. And we also, we got to remember in the scope deal, we got Jonathan VR back. So, yeah, VR, yeah. Yeah, so they weren't all total busts, but we certainly didn't get back top-tier talent. Luis Ortiz is is the worst player we got in all those trades. I just think this 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 new regime here would have probably got a lot. I mean, the way they handle things, they might have got a little more a little more bang for their buck. Well, the, this organization, the the current folks that run it, they have the authority to make trades. They they consult with ownership, but they have the authority. They're the baseball people. Yeah, and, a little more freedom. You're right. Yeah, right and there. and they would have traded Machado in Britain the year before, but again. If I'm right about Mike Elias and Sig Maydell, we won't have an Orioles team as devoid of young talent as it was going into the last couple seasons. No, you know, this brings up the whole Trey Mancini thing. Um, you know, about Mike Elias said he'd love to have him long term, but sort of, you know, you know, he hesitated on a contract extension. Really, you could give a mixed message here about whether you know he'd be available. I think if, if if the right offer came, he would trade him. But I don't know. I don't know if that right offer will come. I don't think this is. I don't think this is the year that Mancini has enough value where everybody in the game of baseball is going to says he's, he's lion, proven yeah. himself right. now. You know. Yeah. All right, we're talking to Todd Karpovich. Uh, Todd, what's uh, out at Doriel Park at Camden Yards today? The task gets a little tougher even than uh, last night because they're facing Chris Sale. Chris Sale doing Bundy. It's, you know, that's another tough matchup for the Orioles. Um, Bundy's got to give him some. Bundy's got to give him some innings to give that bullpen a little bit of break. There's too much pressure. And his guys just are not They're not getting shut down innings from anybody out there. Miguel Castro has really, really struggled. Um, and Chris Sale has historically well, he pitches well against everybody, historically well against the Orioles. So, you know, um, well, it's interesting. The key's, the key's I, I, get to him early, I guess. I, I, I usually let you go on certain things, but Castro had had six consecutive scoreless outings uh, before giving up the Grand Slam home run the other night to Rowdy Tellez. Yeah. But, yeah, but, he, he, but then he started slow, too. You know, he had a good stretch in the middle there. Yeah. Yeah, that's but, all I'm saying yeah. is he had been yeah. pitching well. Well, you know, and the other thing with Castro is in, in watching – from the press box, and I sit next to Steve Molesky and Luke Jones all the time, and I, I looked at Steve, and I was, you know, about two months into this thing, and I'm like, what's going on with Castro? And, yeah. you know, because nobody could really kind of figure it out, and Brandon Hyde, you know, was was kind of at a loss to give a, a definitive. Well, one of the things that stuck out to me like a sore thumb, I didn't see the guy pitch in any moments of games until about 10 days, 12 days ago, where the game – was still in in limbo, mm-hmm. you know. We, we, we call them leverage situations, well, and, uh, you and know. all of a sudden they started using them in those situations, 
and his focus was a little better. Well, and his, maybe that's what has to happen yeah. with him for sure. But, I mean, you know, the whole idea, though, is, you know, when you come out of the bullpen, you're supposed to throw strikes and get people out. Right. And he didn't, yeah. do, he didn't do that for about six weeks. But if, you, if, you, if the job description is, hey – we need you to come in and throw strikes and and not give up a lot of runs and give us some length, but you're always going to come in when we're eight or nine runs behind. That's not a great job description. No. That guy's not feeling like... It's kind of like working on this show. Brian <laughs> 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 well, McGinnigan feels that way. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, there's been a lot of games like that for the Orioles. You know, you really can't dictate that, you know. All I'm saying yeah. is his best six games of the year came in a time period where Brandon Hyde suddenly sort of rediscovered him. Uh, and, I look, he was, he was again, he was all over the place the other night. You know, it uh, was not a good performance against Toronto. Yeah. We're talking with Todd Karpovich. Uh, Todd, uh, the Orioles, uh, along with a whole host of other teams, have number one picks. But I'm seeing almost daily on MLB trade rumors that such and such has signed their number one pick. Do the Orioles anticipate any issues at all with Adlai Rutschman? No. Um, you know, Malaz um, talked to us last week, and he said he's going to he was going to let him do the award circuit. You know, he had, he was he's in a couple you know player of the year um, mm-hmm. you know award ceremonies, and was going to let him finish his exams. So I think I think you're going to see movement. I think within that, I think if not this week, next week, that he said he didn't anticipate any problems signing it. He said he just wanted to give him a break, so he go to you know the Slugger Award and everything else they got going on, you know after after the College World Series. All right. So I think he just you know he wanted, he wanted to enjoy it. sort of like you know like um you know an NFL player you know and after the season where they uh, guys who are getting ready for the draft they do the award circuit they got to do they have other responsibilities they take care of and I, you know and if he gets you know if he gets Player of the Year you know a College Baseball Player of the Year I think it'd be great for him be able to attend that type of thing. So but no, I think I think they get Rushman done. If not this week, next week. All right. So let me ask you a question. When they do sign Rutschman, what is your opinion? I've heard tell that they don't really intend to have him catch anywhere the rest of this year, that he will probably either play first base uh, or DH and just get some at-bats, but it's going to be kind of a leisurely summer for Adlai Rutschman. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. They're not, they're not, he already caught I mean, He caught a lot of games already, you know, for Oregon State. Um He's their he's their prize jewel, you know. I mean, they they're going to take it easy on him, and they get him back into uh, spring training, Sarasota next year, and then start working with them and bringing him along. You know, they're going to take any chances with him. Well, I, especially I, wearing tear. I hear the actual instruction is going to take place in the Florida the um, instructional the, the instructional league, league after yeah. the season. Yeah. 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 All right, that'll be interesting. Um, are we hearing anything on any of the other prospects? Because they should. Um, they should be starting to sign shortly, you would think. Well, it's, yeah, I think the chips are starting to fall. I, mean, I guess the biggest question is the kid from uh, the high school kid from Alabama who um, he's committed to Auburn. They, have to be, they, they anticipate signing him too. But, yeah, they signed what they signed, 21, 20 of the 41 picks. They got, they got a way to go. Okay. Um, but I think you'll see that second wave coming in soon. All right, sounds good. Well, the other, just the other thing about it is got to figure that uh, – you know, with Rutschman this year, and, and I know they're high on the first three guys that they took in this draft, uh, but you're, you're looking down the road at probably next year having one, two, or three, depending on how the chips fall with the record. Uh, these are very valuable picks that, uh, you know, the, the Orioles really need to do well on and, you know, look yeah. going forward. Yeah, they can't, they can't miss on any of these picks. Yeah. 
Todd, uh, what's the latest on the walking wounded? Uh, the Orioles due to get Dwight Smith back shortly, and are we looking at some sort of roster crunch again when Smith comes back? Yeah, that's the thing. Santana has played so well. You know, he's bat, uh, I think he's batted over you know, 400 against righty. And how, and did, you, how did you pronounce his name? Santana? No, it's now Satander. Uh, he's French? Yeah, well, that's the, that's what he. That's he I want to make it clear he did not he did not complain about the pronunciation Satander? of the name, yeah. but he was asked about it, and he apparently says it's really pronounced Satander. Satander. Well, Satander has play, uh, played really well. He's he's been in every game since they called him up. What June seventh? He's batting. Uh, what is he batting? Um, four seventy four, nine for nineteen against righties. Um, but again, Smith's a good player too. He was supposed Smith was eligible yesterday. And I guess they held from the concussion protocol, and I guess they held him out. So I guess they need to make a, they're going to make a move today, apparently, and maybe tomorrow. So we'll see. Who, it's, it's a roster crunch. Like you're right, they've been playing with a short bench because of these injuries. No disrespect whatsoever, but Santander's done pretty well here lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think he, if he wants to be, it to be pronounced Santander. He should just go by one name. Well, it shouldn't yeah. be like you get the first name. Well, the, the Orioles announcer <laughs> yeah. on radio. Right. Uh, Jim Hunter? No. Uh, the one that's Kevin, Kevin Brown. Kevin Brown. Kevin Brown came on the, the air with the story that uh, he had talked to, you know. Anthony. Anthony. Mm-hmm. And said that, you know, is pronouncing it the way you were pronouncing it. But I've heard your way. I've heard Santander. Right. You know, which is more emphasis on the sand at the beginning of it. I will it. tell you I, one I, thing. I probably, I've been listening and watching Oriole baseball games since I'm about six years old, okay? So that's 57 years. I don't think I heard a player's name mentioned more times than Jim Hunter the other night seemed to be talking about Satander. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, it sounded no. like he talked about him 75 times. I was going to spell it correctly. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's Dave Ginsburg's greatest line. He says, Heisty, I don't have to say it. I only have to spell, spell it. it. <laughs> yes, sir, yes, sir. <laughs> Spoken like a true AP <laughs> wizard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, anyway, um, what's a, so the Orioles have – we've got a homecoming of sorts in about uh, 12 days. Uh, Manny Machado is going to return to Camden yeah, Yards. Yeah, you think he gets booed? Are you cheered or I think that... he'll get mostly cheered. Don't you? I, I, yeah. I, think, I think so too. And I saw him uh, down at uh, Nats Park earlier when uh, they were in, and uh, you know uh, he's going about his business. He likes it out there, from what he tells me. Uh, I wouldn't expect him to say much else other than you know, you know we're, we're adjusting and and doing what we need to do. And uh, the numbers probably aren't quite as good as Manny would like him to be at this point, but I think when all's said and done at the end of the year, you're going to see the typical Manny numbers. Hi, were you down there for Adam Jones? Uh, I'm sorry? Did you, get a chance to see, did you get a chance to see Adam Jones? Yeah, first, there? yeah, we saw him on Thursday uh, afternoon, yeah. Did you yeah. chat with him? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. How, and, did he uh, seem in good spirits? Uh, seemed in really good spirits, yeah, and uh, Bridge Rowley, uh talked to him, I think, yesterday, so I'm assuming there's going to be something written in The Athletic about that. Yeah. He's had a pretty good year, too. Uh, Orioles showed a classy side to themselves last night with the video board message uh, wishing uh, David Ortiz well last night. Yeah, I was saying, did you show the video of him smashing the phone? 
Oh, I didn't see that. Bat. I didn't see that. That's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> Buck gave him a bill. Remember that? Yeah. Buck gave him a bill, and then when he retired, the Orioles gave him a phone. <laughs> they gave him a phone. Yeah, it's great. Well, yeah, you know, the other part about that, too, is there's a, there's a column online that I just happened to look at, and just a headline, I haven't read the article yet, but it says the surgeons who performed uh, the second surgery up in Boston, right. they say uh, surgeon comes out and, and describes the fact that how, how close that David came to passing, passing away. away. Yeah. Oh, killed him, yeah, it was a serious wow. issue. Was he strong? But they was it a calculated gamble to fly him to Massachusetts, or was he stable? Uh, he was stable the- enough to go to Massachusetts. Okay. Well, yeah. But yeah. Boy, the they Red Sox didn't, but the Red Sox the didn't hesitate did not, to get no, him up absolutely. there. Yeah. No. Yeah. Well, we're glad that he's doing well. Uh, yeah. I can't wait to find out the story behind that, though. No, there's yeah, a story, true. There's a story behind that. Well, it's a whole conspiracy. There's eight guys involved there, I guess, now, or something right. like that. It's right, just, It right. runs pretty deep. Eight, eight guys involved in it. It runs pretty deep. Was there an affair of some kind going on? I mean, who knows? They didn't just pick out David Ortiz because, no. oh, there's Big Poppy. Let's drive up and shoot him. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's rumors uh, of being a uh, hit uh, on him, all kinds yeah. of stuff. Let's hope he makes it back in one piece. Um, uh, David Ortiz, certainly a great, great ambassador to the game of baseball. But uh, I've heard stories on the other side of David Ortiz. Sure, I think we well. all have. Yeah, yeah. So, But he was a remarkable player. When the game was on the line, um, there wasn't a tougher out to face. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. He was a guy you had to wait for in that, that post-game locker room. That's kind of what we're <laughs> talking about. Yeah. He took his time, and he got dressed. And, man. Yeah. Yeah. You were you were on deadline. You were in trouble. <laughs> All right. Hey Todd, we're gonna uh, we're gonna let you go. We really appreciate your being on again with us. Keep Thank up you. keep up the good work, my friend. Thank All you. Right. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, we will. All right. That sounded a lot better than the first yeah, you really shot. Really did, yeah. On. Absolutely. Right. Uh, you think uh, your bartender knows baseball? I bet ours knows more. Join Pressbox and Orioles legend Ross Grimsley at Sliders on Monday, July the 8th for the All-Star Home Run Derby from 7 to 9 p.m. Ross will be behind the bar as a guest bartender serving drinks and talking baseball and is even buying the first 50 people to show up their first fancy clancy pilsner. All right. You heard that right. The first 50 people get their first fancy clancy pilsner on Ross. That's Monday, July the 8th at Sliders Bar and Grill, across the street from Camden Yards. The Home Run Derby, Press Box, Ross Grimsley, and Fancy Clancy Beer. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash Ross for more details. And let me tell you that the Live Casino Hotel has another great concert on the schedule. That's right. Get your tickets now to see Boz Skaggs out of the Blue Tour on Friday, June the 28th. Tickets start. At $45 and include $10 in free slots play, go to LiveCasinoHotel.com now to get your tickets. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home plate at Camden Yards. Sliders Bar and Grill at 504 Washington Boulevard, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for every season. This is the perfect time to book your private party or take the office to lunch. Feeding clients? Take them to Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar, Sliders, for great food and drinks with some local atmosphere. You can book your private event on the second floor or on the outside patio, both overlooking the best stadium in baseball. See all of Sliders' daily specials 
or book your party at slidersbaltimore.com. Sliders, Baltimore's neighborhood sports bar. Visit them today. Around here, there are two kinds of chicken. Royal Farms' world-famous chicken and everything else. What's the difference? Royal Farms' chicken is always fresh, never frozen. It's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices and cooked on the spot right in the store. Chicken from anywhere else? Who knows? Hungry for some hot and delicious chicken? Get some Royal Farms' world-famous chicken. It's one of a kind. And don't forget the Western fries. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. It's a Father's Day celebration all weekend long at Oriole Park. Head to the ballpark to watch the Orioles take on the Red Sox. On Saturday, right after the game, movie night begins with a special viewing of Field of Dreams. Take in this timeless classic right from your seat. And on Sunday, celebrate Dad all day. The first 20,000 fans ages 18 and over will receive an Orioles Father's Day fedora. Remind Dad why he's the hero in your life and give him the gift of a great day at the yard and time with family. Father's Day weekend is coming up, so be part of it all. Visit Orioles.com for tickets. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. As the weather heats up, the menu at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square cools down, introducing the all-new Frosted Key Lime, a fun twist on one of America's favorite pies. The new treat is a hand-spun combination of Chick-fil-A's signature ice dream, Chick-fil-A lemonade, and natural sugar-free lime flavoring made from a blend of key limes, coffer limes, and Persian limes. Frosted Key Lime gets its green color from a mix of nutrient-rich ingredients. Download the Chick-fil-A app today, place your order, and get points towards free stuff at Our Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. Plus, if you order using your app, your food will be ready when you get there. Stop by Chick-fil-A in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center at 5198 Campbell Boulevard and tell Steve we sent you. This is former Trump AJ Francis just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Hoster from the bottom of our son in Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy Y2AJ here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. And we are back on the Battle Round on this Saturday morning. We appreciate your listening in or watching us on Facebook Live. And if you have uh, tuned in to watch us on Facebook Live, please like and share the program. Absolutely. Which I haven't done yet. Well, I got waylaid. Yeah, you did. Yeah. That's yeah. No, there's no excuse for that, no, Greg. No, there isn't. Uh, before we make our connection with Adam Pohl, so give the fans a little bit of a preview of today's Nats Diamondbacks game, including time of game, who's pitching, and then we'll do the same for What do you think? Way. I covered the team or something? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good More enough. or less. Yeah. Uh, 4.05 start time down in Nats Park. And. Uh, uh, Strasburg is on the mound. Steven Strasburg, seven and three, uh, three three six ERA. Uh, you know, 110 strikeouts. So uh, he has really pitched well, especially over the last month. He's going up against a rookie though, Taylor Clark. 
uh, is one and two, uh, a five two six ERA. Last time out, uh, he pitched against the Phillies. It rained in that game. He went uh, three and a third innings. Uh, wound up giving up uh, four runs on six hits, a couple of home runs, but that was a game that the Diamondbacks did win because the Diamondbacks wound up hitting eight home runs in that game uh, up at Citizens Bank Park. So, uh, again, on paper, this looks like one that uh, should favor the Nationals, and we'll see whether or not they can uh, take the lead in this series having split the first two games. And I apologize. I was busy liking and yeah, sharing right, it. No Who's problem. pitching for the Diamondbacks? Diamondbacks, a, a rookie, Taylor Clark. Okay. And uh, it's funny. Is he any relation to Glenn Clark? No, he's not. And uh, it's Do you think there's a chance that he would sing Aki Breaky? No, and it's not even spelled the right way. <laughs> I mean, the, the same way as Glenn Clark. But anyway, here's the, th- the thing here. There could be some jitters with him in this game because he's from Ashburn, Virginia. Okay. So he's pitching uh, kind of in front of the hometown crowd. I'm sure there's going to be family and friends there. So I'm sure the butterflies will be uh, flowing. Oh, and just also, a little bit. he's pitching in front of you. Well, that's true. Somebody too. he's probably known and admired for years. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, Oriole Park today, also 405 start. A lot of sarcasm in this show this morning. <laughs> Lots of it. Um, it uh, quite a matchup today. The Orioles probably, arguably, still our our best, our most accomplished starting pitcher, Dylan Bundy. I mm-hmm. guess a lot of people would say John Means has been the best this year and can't really argue with that. But Bundy's pitched well his last five or six starts. He has a tough uh, matchup today as he faces Chris Sale at Oriole Park at 4.05. Well, I don't think there's any question about it. And the thing now, if you think about what Chris Sale was at the beginning of this season with the Red Sox and everybody was trying to figure out what's going on, the ERA is astronomical. Uh, you know, and even even Chris Sale in front of the media is sitting there going, I, you know, this is unacceptable. If I don't figure this out, you know, it's going to be a really long season. Well, he's got it figured out now, and he's been pitching lights out here for, for quite a while. Uh, here's the thing with the Orioles, though. If you're Dylan Bundy, you know, you got to minimize damage because you're not going to get a whole lot of opportunity against Chris Sale. Nope, nope. So two interesting games at 4.05, both of them on the Masson uh, Network uh, uh, joining us now, though, is Adam Pohl, the play-by-play voice of the Bowie Bay Sox, and most importantly, the father of Alexandra Pohl, and that <laughs> is Adam Pohl. Adam, how are you, and how's your lovely daughter? Oh, she's doing great. Thank you guys for having me. Let me tell you a really random uh, minor league baseball story. So I, I was, uh, you know, I was in Frederick for years, and uh, there was uh, right around this time of the year, one, one season. Uh, our groundskeeper, uh, we were playing Winston-Salem, the uh, the White Sox affiliate. And uh, my groundskeeper, Kyle Slayton, I was like walking uh, stats down for the coaches. And he said, hey, Adam, you know, the, uh, I mean, it's an empty ballpark at Harry Grove Stadium. He said, you know, that's the White Sox uh, number one pick they just signed. And, and they're sending him straight to, to high A. And he's throwing his first bullpen right now. And the two of us were in an empty ballpark, and we watched him throw three pitches. And, and I just said, God, he's, he's just way too skinny. And it was Chris Sale. <laughs> <laughs> he's way too skinny to make it. He'll never make it. <laughs> too never make too it. skinny, lots of arms and, and legs coming at you. <laughs> yeah, he's had a pretty remarkable run and uh, only briefly appeared in the minor leagues, correct? That's right. His first yeah. And his first professional bullpen before uh, making his debut, I guess, uh, in, in single A was in Frederick. How about that? In front of in front of nobody. 
All right, so Mr. Pohl, we've got a lot to talk about on the table with the Bowie Bay Sox right now. First question, if you kind of added up all the pieces that they have that are major league potential, is this the most talented Bowie Bay Sox club that you've had in the time you've been doing the play-by-play for them? That's, that's a good question. Uh, it's probably the youngest team, which is okay. uh, a, a good reason to say yes, uh, you know, because obviously you can have some really good ball players, but if they're in double A and they're 26, 27, 28 years old, uh, you know, they might play some major league games, but they, they probably don't have much of a, a long-term major league future. So that's, that's what's exciting because, you know, some of the ball players in Bowie uh, are, are going to make it and some aren't, but there's, there's probably more of a depth a player that's got a real chance. So let me be be precise. If you had to rate the top four players that the Bay Sox have in terms of their chances to be somewhat impactful to more than somewhat impactful in the major leagues, who would that who would they be in in what order? With number oh God, four, with number four, with number. What's that? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Well, you know what's interesting about the Bay Sox in this regard and going down that road is that uh, when you look at it, a lot of the guys, like let's just take the pitchers, for example, a lot of the guys that have uh, the, the most stuff, per se, have not had the biggest results. So it, it, it's, it's a little bit of an interesting thing when, when you look down the road as to who can be the most effective major league pitcher. And uh, you know, let's just take two of these pitchers, for example. Hunter Harvey is uh, in the bottom five in ERA in the league. Uh, you know, he's, he's had quite a few appearances where, where he's really struggled. The big inning has gotten him, uh, bit him badly. Uh, but last night, if you watched Hunter Harvey pitch in Bowie in his first ever release outing, it was probably the most dominant performance that a Bay Sox pitcher has had all year. Uh, well, you know, in his three innings, that when you just look at stuff, I mean, he was throwing uh, 95 to 97, but he, he threw many pitches at 99 miles an hour out of the bullpen. He faced 10 guys, he got nine of them out, and, uh, and he struck out four batters. But he just, he really looked the part as far as a guy that could be in like an Andrew Miller, you know, Josh Hader you mm-hmm. know, type of role for the Orioles down the road. And then in the same regard, you've got Alex Wells, who has a 1.61 ERA. Uh, he's young for the level. Uh, I mean, he's having an incredible year. Uh, he starts tonight for Bowie, uh, but he almost never throws a pitch that is 90 miles an hour. And in today's game that uh, is so dominated by velocity to tell you who's going to be a, a great big league pitcher, per se, Wells doesn't check every box. So he's going to be a guy that has to prove himself at every level. Uh, and that's why this year is so important because he's had such an outstanding year at double A. And many people feel that the biggest jump in the minors is from high A to double A. And, you know, he, he's just the guy that has the best command probably for any pitcher in the, in the entire organization right now. Well, now this and, is, uh, I was going to say this is Father's Day weekend. Uh, but uh, talk to me about what's going on over there tonight with uh, Stranger Things. <laughs> yes, so that's you know that's a hit show on Netflix. Yeah, and it's kind of like an '80s night. Uh, the show, I think, it goes back to the '80s. And we've got one of the actresses, Carol Bruno, who's going to be at the ballpark signing autographs 
Uh, and then we have, you know, as you always have to love, we have fireworks following the game. So it, it's been fun. You know, the Bay Sox have won six in a row and nine of 11. And, um, you know, really, Bowie is rolling right now. So uh, it, it's an exciting time. You know, the team offensively uh, is, is, is doing okay. They're doing enough. The team's pitching extremely well. And, um, and, and obviously got, gotten on a, a big roll here. So you mentioned two pitchers, Hunter Harvey, and you mentioned um, um, uh, Hunter Harvey and uh, yeah, and uh, Alex Wells. And Alex right. Wells. How about Zach Lowther? How about yeah, how about uh, Bruce Zimmerman? And how about telling us a little story about a former Mets prospect named Marcus Molina, who sort of rounds out that rotation and is uh, looks looks the part that he might be an actual prospect. Yeah, so, so this Marcus is the, Molina. To Go me, yeah, this is the biggest aspect when you look at, at the Bay Sox uh, as a team, and really, and I know we've talked about this, but really throughout the Orioles organization. You know, five years ago uh, was my first year with the Bay Sox 2014. You look at that rotation, and that rotation had Zach Davies, who's become a very good major league pitcher. It had Eduardo Rodriguez who, uh, of course, beat the Orioles last night. Uh, it, it had Tyler Wilson, who's uh, had a, a better career than, than people would have guessed when he was in the minor leagues. Uh, it had a guy named Tim Berry, who was a prospect that never made it, and a really good double-A pitcher named Jake Pettit. So uh, that was a, a really solid rotation. But I don't even know if that rotation had as many guys you know, that were 22 years old to get excited about like this one. So, um, you know, Dean Kramer. Yeah, I left, Dean, I left Dean out. Yeah, 11 yeah, shutout innings in a row, right? Right. You know, he's a guy that's uh, low to mid-90s fastball. Uh, he's a big strikeout guy. Uh, he's, he's an interesting pitcher. Uh, both Kramer and Lowther are high spin rate guys, so they seem to get a lot of weak contact, a lot of foul balls. So for them, the issue is almost getting too deep in the counts because nobody can square them up. Uh, Lowther is a lefty that's, you know, more of a low 90s guy. Um, he's been a little bit erratic, but, boy, it's just so impressive. Um, I, I would group three pitchers that are in the Orioles organization like this, similar to Keegan Aiken, uh, Dean Kramer, and Zach Lowther, are all guys that people just don't see their fastballs well. And I think that's going to play up to the highest level. Um, Lowther last night started for the Bay Sox, and, he struggled through three innings, but he really gave it one hit. He walked four batters. He was just all over the place. Only half his pitches were strikes. But then, boy, once he locked in and got sort of throwing his breaking ball for a strike, he dominated and retired the last seven he faced and then passed the torch to Harvey. Um, uh, you, you go through, I talked about Wells a little bit, but uh, Marcos Molina is a really unique uh, prospect in that uh, he's had an injury-plagued past. Um, he's had some good years in the Mets organization. He had a PED suspension last year as well. He went one in ten last year, uh, and but he's 24 years old and he's a former top ten prospect in the Mets organization. And 24 is the average age for a Double A player, and he's having a really really good season. Um, he's just getting very deep into games, and and obviously that that's what's so important. He, he's worked six innings or more in, in all but two or three of his starts. Uh, this year, so he, he's he, he's going to be an interesting guy, and sometimes some of these below the radar guys. Uh, you know, last year I, uh, on the base Sox, uh, 
uh, early in the season, Paul Fry would have been a guy for me that was really under the radar. Nobody knew who he was, and now he's in the Orioles bullpen. So Molini could be an interesting guy to follow. He could be one of the first guys from our that's staff that's called up to AAA. Yep. Because he has the most uh, starting time at Double A, and another one that could be up pretty quickly, to be honest, is Bruce Zimmerman. He's been in Double A almost a year, and he's had a lot of success. And and uh, his stuff is better than it was when he was traded for the last year. And um, he's really starting to implement a four seam fastball, not just the two seam that runs down. Because he is a ground ball guy, and you know every one of the Bay Sox starters uh, is is a prospect. All right, Adam. Let me ask you about two players. Uh... In particular, in a, in a brief like synopsis, if you can. Number one, sure. Preston Palmero. Tough year for him statistically, hitting only 182, uh, two homers and 18 RBI. Uh, so, has he hit the Double A wall, or or how do you view that? Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt that Palmero has hit a wall here offensively, and uh, he's looked better the last few nights. But uh, he's been a bit overmatched here offensively. Teams are working him hard and away. And uh, they're, they're doing the overshift on him to the right side. And he just has had no answer for that. Uh, the thing about that I, I love about watching Palmeiro play is that quite like his father, I mean, he is probably the best defensive first baseman in the league. I mean, uh, he's saved so many airs. Uh, and, and last night almost made a no-hitter. The one hit was a line drive that he almost made an incredible diving catch off of. But uh, obviously as a first baseman, uh, you've got to be able to hit. And, and Preston has, has struggled in, in that regard this year. Okay, and the other one real quick, Mason McCoy. Uh, yeah, having uh, a big not, year. Yeah. Having a big year, not hitting for a lot of power or production in terms of RBI, but 329 in 140 at-bats. Exactly, and he hit 379 in the first month of the year. So uh, McCoy is the turning point of Bowie's season. Uh, the Bay Sox were the worst team in all of professional baseball when Mason McCoy got called to the Bay Sox on May 6th. Well, he had a record of 7-23. and 23. And since McCoy came to the team, uh, Bowie is 21-14. and 14. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Bay Sox have pitched pretty well all year. And it, it, as a team, it, it's hard to be that bad when you're pitching decently, right? But they were finding a way to do it. The offense was struggling that mightily. And McCoy has become the everyday leadoff hitter. He's already second on the team in multi-hit games, and he missed the entire first month of the season. Yeah. It's been really impressive. And the way he does it is really by hitting the ball the other way. You know, in today's game of overshifting and analytics, people know where they're going to hit it. And, and, and therefore, players that are one-trick pull ponies, per se, uh, their averages are going to be hurt because of the type of shifts that people put on. And we, we've seen it so many times with, with so many different players. And, and McCoy is a guy that can uh, hit the ball anywhere, and, and that's why he can have so much success. Adam, last question. we got about 30 seconds. Yusnail uh, mm-hmm. Diaz, he was on the DL for a while comes back, he hits the game-winning home run, a walk-off, and now I think he homered the next night as well? Yeah, he's homered in three straight games, and he's been almost carbon copies. I mean, they've been pulled 110-mile-an-hour line drive shots to left. So that's the excitement. I mean, he's got incredible hands. Uh, right now he's kind of a pull-to-minute hitter. Um, he's got to find a way to be able to, to do a little bit more damage with off-speed stuff or, or stuff on the other half of the plate. But boy, I mean, when he gets into it, 
it's something special. It's been a lot of fun to watch him finally get onto a really good run here the last few days. All right. Adam Pohl, play-by-play voice of the Bowie Bay Sox. We appreciate it. Thank you very much, my friend. Thank you, guys. Talk again soon. All right. We are broadcasting from the live casino hotel studios, as we do each and every Saturday morning from 10 to 12. We remind you that Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer, on with the Glenn Clark Radio Show Monday through Friday from 10 to 12 in these same live casino hotel studios. Craig, we're about to make our connection with uh, Mr. Grimsley. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's also doing a podcast normally heard on Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. this week. It will be heard on Mondays at 9 a.m. All right. And any of the shows that you uh, watch or listen to us on Facebook Live, please like and share the show just like you're doing with today's. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, when you want insight as far as uh, the pitching department is concerned, uh, Ross Grimsley is about as good a guy as you can talk to about that. Uh, because he really does kind of break it down. You, you've heard him on shows, uh, various shows over the last few years here in Baltimore, and he really has a unique ability to just kind of break it down for you and you know tell you what pitchers are doing well, what they're not doing well, what they need to work on. Uh, so Ross Grimsley uh, joining us uh, on the show right now. Ross, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're good. Uh, I got a question for you, uh, and that Fire away. last last <laughs> night we're talking about. I just gave you the the proper intro in terms of breaking <laughs> the pitching down. What the hell happened last night? <laughs> uh, there wasn't a lot of pitching going on. There's a lot of throwing, but not much pitching. That's been uh, you know been one of the problems. Uh, you know, obviously, I mean they've been they were outscored twenty five to five last two starts. Mm-hmm. And, uh, last three games they've got 33 runs and previous to that they were they got on a streak and they only give up 17 so home run ball has been a problem for them and actually uh the home run ball in double a and high a has been a problem for those guys as well the only uh bright spot that marva and they're you know pretty much number one and everything down there that yeah. you're there i think so, some i think something's in the water down there <laughs> <laughs> well you got some pretty good talent. That's where most of it lies in yeah. the organization. Well, and, and, and that's a good and that's a good thing for the organization. I mean, you know, the, the the days. Let's face it, the days are long gone where guys just came up step by step through the organization to get themselves to the major leagues. Uh, but it's nice to see a collective group of arms that the Shorebirds have. And after they won the first half, and now you know there's going to be postseason uh, baseball in Salisbury for the first time since 2006, I think it was. Uh, so, uh, again, they're doing a phenomenal job down there. And, they've, and you know, obviously the results, are, the proof is in the pudding. The results are there. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the, the big thing, the, the, the Oriole organization has to get an influx of players uh, you know, uh, upgrade their, their their system. It's been a problem, and uh, you know, especially at the upper levels. And, and we're seeing that now in, in Norfolk and in Bowie. I mean, uh, pitching wise, but the, you got the, you made a comment. Um, you know, as guys go each level, and we're noticing the uh, uh, I guess the byproduct from that as guys go to the big leagues now. You see stuff that I, I've never seen before in baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, you miss men. I mean, in pitchers' eras, uh, which is which is a small. 
small thing, but there are almost 80% of the error. Ross, Ross, excuse me for a second. Can we call you right back? We must be on a bad cell. We're missing like every other word you say. Okay. All right. Not a problem. All right. That was, by the way, he said okay. Okay. We only heard yeah. K. We only heard K. Right, exactly. <laughs> but he brings up a good point. You know, there, you know, a lot of teams. That was probably Ryan's fault. A lot of way, teams, though. That we got a bad signal. Well, that could be, yeah. yeah. A lot of teams, you, you see the jump from double A, teams bringing up guys from double A to the major leagues. Right. And they skip the triple A level. And, and, and I think with some of the moves that Mike Elias has made, uh, including with, the hiring of Gary Kendall uh, at AAA it, to be the manager. Exactly. It's about developing, finishing right. the development. And, and there are guys now going to AAA that may have a shot to come up at, right. at, at one point. Let's try. Ross, are you there? I'm here. Uh, much better. Much better. <laughs> uh, now we can hear both words no, but when you say you, two what, words. What were you talking about uh, real quick as, as far as just, you know, you said when they get up here you've seen some things you've never seen before. Exactly. As far as you used to go level to level and to prove yourself at each level, now just rushing guys to the big league so quick that you're seeing the byproduct of what they're missing out and the experience that a lot of them, just by base running, hitting the cutoff, man, the, the, the pitching, you're seeing a lot of things that, uh, that you they will see. Uh, because, they, I mean, you have guys in the uh, oil team now, and, uh, you know, that. Team, yeah, these guys have played six, seven, eight, nine, ten years on their lives. Now you see them in the mistakes. They're going to make mistakes, but they shouldn't be making these uh, fundamental mistakes that they're making because they played the minor leagues for you know several years. So you're seeing stuff that normally you don't. Hey Ross, being the technical, yeah. being the technical genius that I am, yeah, can you move, can, can you move <laughs> somewhere else in, <laughs> in your room? In your room, and see well, if we can <laughs> get out of the crapper. That's right. How's <laughs> <laughs> this? You know, no, you're still this any better? It's not great. It's, it's not yeah. great. It's probably Bird's fault. It's probably Bird's fault. <laughs> You know what? You can call me on the house on the on the uh, house phone. I'll tell you what. Let me let my producer pick up the phone and get okay. that off the air. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Got All right. There we go. All right. I appreciate you doing that. Not, not I a problem. I hate doing it twice to the same guy. Well, yeah, but Ross is very accommodating. Yes, he is, and very yes, understanding, and he understands that we, we couldn't hear him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, I don't know. He makes a good point, though. In that, you know, sometimes uh, when, when guys get rushed like that, it's a situation where the fundamentals of the game kind of bypass, you know, the guys that are coming up here and getting here maybe a little bit too soon or before they're supposed to be here, Stan. No question about it. No question about it. And we're trying to make our connections again with Ross on his landline. Uh, which I have a feeling is going to work much better. I, I have a feeling that's going to be the case, too. Right. Hey, Ross, are you there? Here, I'm here. All right. <laughs> hey, we ought to do How's that, that more. We're going to do that more often now that we have that number. <laughs> yeah. We'll, drive, oh, gotcha. we'll call Bird at 2 in the morning. <laughs> We're talking to Perfect. Ross Grimsley. By the way, Ross, explain to our listeners and the viewers on Facebook Live, this week your Ross Grimsley show I won't be a part of, but you're doing it Monday morning at 9 o'clock? Monday morning at 9, yeah. All right. That's fine. And uh, we thank the friends, our friends at Sliders, 
for sponsoring that, and you're uh, making an appearance at Sliders on the Monday before the All-Star Game, July the 8th. Correct, correct. We're going to have some fun, tell some stories, and uh, have a good time. Hey, uh, speaking of telling stories, you you must have been uh, up against it at the very end of your career when you had to size up that the time had come for you to step aside. Here and comes I'm, the Dan Straley question. And, and, <laughs> and, um, and I'm sure you've coached players that have had to come to terms with the fact that it's over. Uh, Dan Straley last night, inning and a third, seven hits, seven earned runs, four home runs. Where do you go from there if you're Dan Straley and his earned run average now over nine? And I'll, yep. and I'll bet you that when you were coming up, like Stan said, toward the end and you had to make a decision, I bet you didn't have a line like that. Earl would have never let him uh, that. Earl would have never let that happen. Heaven, heavens no. I mean, I, I, well, I tell the story about, uh, you know, that in 82 my last year, we were, uh, I started off, I'd pitch 17 and a third innings and give up one earned run. And you got Palmer, Flanagan, Scotty, uh, a bunch of you know guys. Dennis, and they Dennis were Martinez all coming up. Dennis Martinez coming uh, up. Exactly. They were all struggling, terrible. So he called uh, every, all the pitchers into his office. So I knew he couldn't yell at me. So I sat <laughs> down. He had that, the chair right next to his desk. I sat there. All the other pitchers sat on the floor, and he started yelling. He started jumping off me. You can't throw strikes. You can You you can't do this. You better get. You better blah blah. And he just went on for about five minutes, just ranting and raving. And then he looked over at me and he goes, "Take this guy right here." And I go, "Yeah." <laughs> said, he ain't got crap and he's getting people out. So he just started ragging me. I just got up on, got out of the chair and sat on the floor. <laughs> you know. But but anyway, that that was. I ended up straining my arm, my elbow in spring training. And uh, I just it was it was a whirlpool and ice bag uh, all the all the time. And toward the end, I just got it just hurt. Uh, it was just a pain in the butt all, when I wasn't pitching. So I kind of knew I didn't want to go through that again. So that's kind of how I knew it was time to uh, uh, pack it in. But yeah, with that line, you start get the hitters will let you know when it's time to uh, you know move on. And it's, I mean, look, I take no pleasure in, in, in saying that, but it's pretty obvious that Dan Straley, if he's not at the end of the line, uh, the end of the line is uh, certainly in the same zip code as his well, career. And here's, here's a guy that's won double digits a couple different times right. uh, back when he was in the National League, and I've had a chance to see him in the National League over the years. And, uh, you know, he's a competitor. He tries to keep his team in the game. He's oh, never yeah. been. He's never been a guy that's had really overpowering stuff. Uh, but certainly, he knew how to pitch. And yep. all of a sudden, it seems as though you know, right now, he just can't make adjustments. Well, I I will say this. Now, pitching here in Camden Yards is probably one of the hardest places in baseball to pitch. Yeah. Balls fly out of here like rockets. And uh, you know, you have to really make you know good pitches, and got to understand that you're going to make good pitches. They're going to hit them, and they're going to go out. But you look at Miley. He left here. He's throwing well. Well, but, you know, his splits, though, Ross, between the American League and the National League are ungodly off oh, the yeah. charts just the other way around. Great in the National League, n- not really good at all in the American League. Right, and that, that could uh, – pitching uh, the American I'm, League I'm sure now, someone though. will yeah. see that and, and possibly give him the opportunity, you know, and, and do that. But, uh, you know, Hellickson didn't – he didn't even want to come here. And they they went ahead and got him, 
and obviously we saw what happened, and he went. Uh, it, I think just pitching here, it, it could be tough, and it could get get in your mind being a, a young player or an older player. But well, uh, well here's which, his here's a breakdown of his numbers this year, away from Camden Yards in twelve and the third innings, he's pitching to a three six five ERA. Yeah, giving up one home run in yeah. Baltimore in thirty three innings, his earned run average eleven point one eight. And he's right. given up 18 home runs in 33 innings. I guess the message there is don't pitch him at Camden Yards. Exactly right. <laughs> or, or or keep the ball down, one of the two. <laughs> but, you know, it was funny. When, when Hellickson signed here, and he, he's another one when you talk about splits between both leagues, when, when Hellickson signed here, he, he, he immediately told the media on day one that he's never liked pitching here. Right, right. And, that was known before the trade, and I'm going. Well, then why would you get him? Right, right. He right. doesn't want to. You know, he, he doesn't like it, and uh, that uh, he was, uh, you know, a no-win situation right out of the box, basically. Yeah. So you come in with that that attitude and that feeling, you're going to have, uh, yeah. you know, it's destined to have some problems. But yeah, it, it's. Uh, I, I tell you, they have to get some some pitching uh, in the organization, and and I think uh, you know, even this year, just to be. Uh, somewhat competitive and be able to stay in the games because the hitting has, has been at times has been really uh, uh, productive and they've done some good things, some guys, some surprises, you know, that, uh, that has really helped. But uh, pitching can uh, mask a lot of your problems, you know, but if you don't have it, I mean, you're going to see scores like we've seen the last few days uh, more often than you want. Ross, stick with me for a second. Uh, did you did you hang with the game last night? Did you watch the last four innings of the game? Yes. Yeah. Uh, tell me what you saw in that Josh Rogers, because I know in spring training, I had somebody tell me. I think it was Jim Henneman told me that McGregor really loves Josh Rogers. No, he, well, he's a guy that he doesn't throw real hard. He had some terrible numbers in AAA, and uh, you know, as as did uh, Ortiz. But he's a guy. He's not gonna he's not gonna wow you with any uh, you know overpowering stuff. He pitches. He changes speeds. He don't have a you know a great uh, put away pitch basically. But I mean, he can you know he can uh, change speeds and if he keeps the ball down, uh, much like uh, uh, Means. You know, he don't have the change-up, but who knows if uh, that one might not come along. But he's a guy that's going to be around the plate. Those strikes, a big thing is not, I mean, you can't walk people in Camden Yards. Right. You, you, got, you can't, you have to be somewhat aggressive. But if you start walking guys, then you start putting, uh, you know, twos, threes, and fours on the board. You know, and that's, you know, it's okay to give up solo home runs, give up one run. But you start giving up the crooked numbers, that's when the problems really uh uh, multiply. Well, but that, I, I, I think he's a guy that, uh, you know, he can be, uh, is he a starter in the big leagues? I, I Hard to say. I think if he is, he's a fifth starter. He's more of a guy that's going to give you some innings out of the bullpen. And uh, and that that's a big thing. you got to get some some bullpen help as well. I mean, the I think the the, uh, uh, the earn run average for relievers in the big leagues is 450, which is the highest it's been since 2000 and uh, it, it, 2000 when it was 458. So that's another thing. If you if your starters can't get get you to the sixth or seventh inning, uh, sometimes your bullpen is going to take a beating, and it has. Yeah, it, it's no shown that. About it. Well, the train between Norfolk and uh, Baltimore continues to run. Jimmy Yacobonis has been recalled, and he'll be up here uh, later today. That, 
that's a, that's another that's another guy with with really good stuff that he just tends to overthrow like mm-hmm. a lot of the guys in the bullpen do. They try to do more than they're capable of doing, and if they would just concentrate on throwing more quality pitches and quality strikes down in the zone, they might fare better. But they still, what happens is they start uh, start juicing it up. You watch Castro, you watch Givens, you watch these guys that they just try to overthrow. Mike Wright was another guy. They finally uh, moved him. <laughs> but, yeah, you, uh, you have to stay within yourself and uh, stay under control because if you don't, you're going to fall behind. You're going to have to throw pitches over the plate. If you don't, you're going to walk, guys. Like I said before, those numbers are going to, those runs are going to be crooked numbers up on the board. And you want to stay away from that. And in the immortal words of Earl Weaver, look at this guy. Here's a guy who got crap. <laughs> really? And he's getting people out. Make me feel out. good, Earl. Make me feel good. That's right, exactly. But you know what you say holds true, and and more so with guys that come out of the bullpen because. You know, you're either coming out of the bullpen to protect the lead, to try to keep the game right where it is, and falling behind hitters is not the recipe for doing that. Strike one has always been the best pitch in baseball, and that that's never changed over the course of time. No, the, uh, the game hasn't. I mean, the game's the same. It's being it's being played different, and I don't know. It, it's a you know, it's a power power. How far can I hit it? How hard does it go? Which are things that, believe me, I know when a ball's hit hard. I don't need to put a number on it. But, you know, and it's uh, how hard can you throw? You talk about pitchers, and the first thing they go is, well, how hard does he throw? He throws 98, 99. He's got a, a power sinker, this, that, and the other. Well, can he throw the ball over the plate? Oh, he didn't yeah. ask that. I, you know, right, no, he throws exactly. hard. No, you got to throw the ball over the plate. That's uh, in all the numbers. Like, like you said, strike one, uh, one, one pitches. The, the thing that really bothers me is you see 2-0, 3-1, even 3-2 pitches with nobody on. They're setting up on corners. Mm-hmm. These guys can't throw the ball down the middle of a plate. Right. So you're asking, you're putting these guys in no-win situations in a lot of a lot of uh, pitches. You know, when you just sit down the middle, throw me a quality pitch down in the zone, a good chance a guy's going to swing at it. Ross. But if you're going for the corners, uh, there's when you're behind in the count, you're asking people to do way more than they're capable of doing, and it, they, they usually fail. Ross Grimsley is with us again, the Ross Grimsley Show, Monday morning at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live and at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio. And that's this week. That's this week. Yeah. Yeah. Normally it's on Tuesday. Ross, I got one quick question, 30-second answer. Yeah. Miguel Castro had these six games where he went scoreless before the other night. I, I kind of looked at his season, and I wonder how a pitcher psychologically is when he's considered the guy to pitch when you're eight runs up or eight runs down as opposed to pitching in games that mean something. And I thought that Castro pitched commensurate with the fact that his team was in the games that he pitched in in those last six games. His focus was better. No, it, it was. I mean, it, a lot of times when he – you know he start he can start off well, and then uh, something happens and he starts uh, overthrowing. But he's I mean his concentration level is very varies in, from in time to, yeah. you know sometimes hitter to hitter pitch to pitch. Yeah. But when he's uh, when he's under control and he doesn't try to when he's not trying to throw the ball 105 miles an hour and he just tries to throw it 95. Yeah. And, and that, that's one of the things you got to find the amount of effort to put into a pitch. Uh, that 
allows you to throw the ball where you want to. And if you try to do more than that, you're asking for trouble. And that's and we see it. All we right. see it. All these guys start trying to throw the ball harder than they have to throw it and harder than they're capable of throwing. That's when you get bad command and you open yourself up to injuries when you try to do uh, throw harder than you're capable of throwing. All right, there and, he is, Ross Grimsley, the Ross Grimsley Show, 9 o'clock this Monday morning on PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and Facebook Live. Uh, we, we appreciate it, Ross. You got it, guys. Thank All you right. so much. Bye. Uh, right now, let's tell the folks a little bit about the Costas Inn, Craig. Well, it's one of the best places in Baltimore, if not the best, for steam crabs, crab cakes, and uh, live entertainment Only throughout the week. crab soup. Crab soup? Their cream mm-hmm. of crab and the regular and crab And the regular soup. Maryland crab soup. Fabulous. Yeah. You left it out. Well. Don't leave it out. I won't leave it out. All right. All right. All right. Great. Monday night. Monday night is crab, crab cake, cake night. night. Tuesday night is rib night. Right. Wednesday night is steak night. Thursday night is lobster night. What's Friday night, Craig? Uh, you can have anything you want on the menu, and also there's a, there's daily specials. Wednesday, along with steak night, you can get half price off any bottle of wine uh, in the place, and uh, that's always a good night And uh, because you can sit there with a half price bottle of wine and listen to jazz as well on Wednesday night. Rock and roll on Friday, Saturday. Place to be is the Costas Inn, 4100 North Point Boulevard in Dundalk. It's a Father's Day celebration all weekend long at Oriole Park. Head to the ballpark to watch the Orioles take on the Red Sox. On Saturday, right after the game, movie night begins with a special viewing of Field of Dreams. Take in this timeless classic right from your seat. And on Sunday, celebrate Dad all day. The first 20,000 fans ages 18 and over will receive an Orioles Father's Day fedora. Remind Dad why he's the hero in your life and give him the gift of a great day at the yard and time with family. Father's Day weekend is coming up, so be part of it all. Visit Orioles.com for tickets. Baltimore's favorite bar is just 771 feet from home play to Camden Yards. Sliders Bar and Grill, just steps from Camden Yards, is the perfect sports bar for baseball season. Daily specials include Mexican Monday, Wing Ding Wednesday, Bloody Brunch Sunday, and more with different drink specials every day of the week. You can also book your private parties at Sliders with great spaces upstairs and on the outdoor patio overlooking Camden Yards. See every Orioles game on dozens of TVs and stop by before or after home home games sliders baltimore's neighborhood sports bar see them at slidersbaltimore.com and be sure to visit sliders today respect it's more than a word in the u.s army it is one of our core values earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad on the army team respect is earned daily and now in addition to earning respect you may earn up to forty thousand dollars in bonuses if you qualify to learn more visit goarmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY paid for by the u.s army The latest edition of Press Box is available now on the cover. Luke Jackson dives into the options the Orioles have with the number one pick in the MLB draft and the significance of them picking number one for just the second time ever as they're in the throes of a rebuild. Plus, Bo Smolka looks into the Oklahoma connections developing for the Ravens after using two of their first five picks on former Sooners for the second year in a row. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. 
Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer here from Glenn Clark Radio. Kyle, you know, I'm regularly asked by folks about how we get so many great guests on our show. Well, I, I work really hard to get some of the biggest names on with us. I know you do, and the world recognizes it, but I want to challenge you to try to get some even bigger guests on the show moving forward. Okay. Who do you have in mind? Well, nothing crazy. Like, what about Tim Tebow? Uh, or, or how about Leonardo DiCaprio or, or Lady Gaga, maybe Barack Obama? You know what? I'll settle for Wilt Chamberlain. Well, I think he died. What? Yeah, like 20 years ago. So that's a maybe? Maybe Java Chamberlain. Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. No one wants to talk to Java Chamberlain. If trying something new was a bad idea, many of us would still be wearing polyester. This message is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. You may know us for our great burgers and wings, but Glory Days Pros. Mix it up with the fresh cedar plank salmon, cut in-house and grilled to perfection. Or sizzling and juicy steaks, meaty ribs, we have handcrafted salads and sandwiches by our talented chefs. Change tastes good, we promise. Experience the Glory Days Grill menu in all its glory. Glory Days Grill, great food. Good sports. And we are back, and um, let's get to this quickly. Earlier in the week, um, Ron Swoboda was a guest of the Glenn Clark Radio program, uh, plugging his new book, Here's the Catch, and here's that interview. We're joined now here on GCR by a man who is one of our own, but yet broke our hearts. Well, not mine. I wasn't, I wasn't around quite in 1969, but... Certainly broke my father's heart. He is a Sparrows Point alum. He is definitely a Baltimorean, but he was also a member of the 1969 Miracle Mets who defeated the Orioles in the World Series, and I still can't believe it. He is the author of a new book. It's called Here's the Catch, a memoir of the Miracle Mets and more. It's a pleasure to welcome Ron Swoboda to GCR. Ron, it's Glenn in Baltimore. Welcome back to town. Thank you for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. I always thought we called it Bomber. Yeah, well, you know Bomber, what? Maryland. Great. You know, I can I can step into my Bomber accent, uh, you know, <laughs> if, if you want me to. But I've, I've I've walked away from it over the years. But um, I love my hometown, and um, I I still in Maryland. I still own a piece of woods up in Shawsville, Maryland, that I bought with my World Series money, so that I had a place to come to, and my relatives have a place to come to to camp and hang out in the woods. So that's so cool. that happened because of the World Series against my Balmer Orioles. Oh, okay, so tell me how conflicted your family was in 1969. Can you take me back to that? Like, did you have family members? I, I, I bought a bunch of tickets to the World Series for my relatives, and uh, they were all in the stands in Memorial Stadium, and I know they were rooting for me to do good, but the Orioles to win. <laughs> you kidding? Well, I got to think, too, like, they, they they probably didn't have all that much fear. They were probably thinking to themselves, oh, this is nice. Ronnie's in the World Series. The Orioles are going to win, obviously, because the Orioles are so much better than everybody else, and this is the Mets we're talking about. Like, they probably had no actual fear that what was about to happen was going to happen. Well, absolutely. I mean, we were such um, dominant underdogs, um, and, and uh, you know, uh, conventional wisdom would have had to say to you that this is going to be a blowout. 
let's enjoy our little nephew running around here or cousin or, or whoever they were in the family structure, you know. Uh, let's watch him run around playing in the World Series, and then we'll celebrate the Orioles. <laughs> right, right. It's a best of both worlds type of scenario. Exactly yeah, right. Yeah. Didn't work out that way, obviously. It did not work out that way. Ron, no, I th- well, you know, some, sometimes uh, when you go, you know, we I think we literally snuck up on the Orioles, who were uh, player by player a much more dominant team. And they showed it the next year by yep. winning the World Series. And and uh, I, I think we caught them a, a little by surprise, and we also benefited from. I let the first ball in the World Series in right field turn into a home run by Don Buford, a ball I should have caught, but did not. I never connected with the thing. Made every mistake you can make on a fly ball, and from that point on, we caught everything, and we caught every break in the World Series. We got every call from the umpires. Things just fell our way in a way that the Orioles had to feel like there was some other power out there snatching this thing away from them. So it sounds like you're saying, as you're willing to admit now, you guys never should have won the World Series. It was stolen from the Orioles, and we should go back and like let it litigate it in quarter, maybe get everybody who's still alive to go play another seven-game oh series, God. right? Um, let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> Ron Swoboda is with us. Again, the book is Here's the Catch. I, so, Ron, I, I get that Here's the Catch is sort of a play on a couple things, but it, re- it references your, your game for catch can you you know like that how that moment has lived now for 50 years and still means so much to so many people do you have like a a favorite story of a time that someone approached you somewhere to say oh my gosh you're Ron Swoboda you made the catch well you know Brooks Robinson um who I was a great fan of uh, when he came to the Orioles when I was growing up in Sparrows Point and you know, he's always – he wrote on a uh, – he he uh, made copies of a, a big Norman Rockwell painting that he signed to people. And my dad, when he was living, my dad passed away in Baltimore in, in April of last year, 96 years old, wow. lived it all. Wow. Okay. Um, he had a he had a painting, uh, a copy of the Norman Rockwell painting of Brooks Robinson, and Brooks wrote on there – I made your son famous, and and I've always said Brooksy, who lives in Baltimore, you yeah, know, and, yeah. and is one of the best of the best. Um, I always, when I'm when I'm in his company, I always thank him for not hitting it right to me. Otherwise, <laughs> what have I got? Right, you know? just a fly and, ball, right? <laughs> and there was a sports guy in Baltimore, John Kennelly, back then, and and he had a great line. He said the only way Swoboda would have ever made a living with his glove was to cook it and eat it. And <laughs> I laughed when I heard it. My mom did not. <laughs> and when she when she was hearing it, you know, on on television back then, and and so it, you know, it's one of those things that you know somebody asked me one time, "How long are you going to keep trying to make a living off of one catch?" <laughs> you know, and, and I'm like. How long have I got? Right, as long as they'll let me. Exactly. <laughs> the answer. Right. No doubt. No but it's doubt. like it, it has taken on a life of its own. And, and look, I, I had a ball game in 1969 where I struck out five times. That is <laughs> abysmal. That is the pits, okay? That is as low as it goes almost. And, 
wouldn't you be happier uh, if you were identified with the best thing you ever did instead of the worst thing you ever did in I 1969? Completely agree. So I'll take the catch. If, if, if you please. <laughs> I, I don't blame you one bit for that, Ron Swoboda. I don't blame you one bit. You know, yeah, man. Ron, how, no. does, how does a, a, you know, a, a kid growing up in Baltimore, and I think this is sort of part of what makes this story cool, is that I, like, I don't think you hide from the fact you're a kid who grew up in Baltimore, who got this chance, who was a, a 242 career hitter, but yet you've managed to have this life in baseball forever and you know, sort of be remembered and beloved by so many people for such a long time. Could I, if I had told you that when you were growing up here, that you were going to be able to have baseball be the center of your life forever and be a beloved figure, you would have told me what back? Well, I'll give you a story. Um, as my granddaughter, Kaylin, who is quoted in the book, says, Granddad, why is everything a story? <laughs> <laughs> When you ask something, Tug McGraw, the great you got to believe relief pitcher with the Mets and with the Phillies later on, um, he and I were in the basement of a guy, a friend of ours from New York. He was a special cop who worked outside the dugout, invited us to a big Italian meal in Brooklyn, and, and we went to his home and went downstairs into his club basement, and it was a museum of, of, of uh, pictures, photographs, um, articles from the Brooklyn Dodgers. From the, He was a Brooklyn Dodger fan, and it was all this stuff up on the wall, all his favorite guys and all. And McGraw turned to me, and we're rookies. We're brand new in New York and have no clue what the heck this is we've got our, our hands around. And, and, and Tuck turned to me, and he went, you think we'll ever be on somebody's wall like this? <laughs> and I went, with my, you know, great uh, ability to project, I went, I don't know. <laughs> and I didn't know. I had no clue. You don't know. You live your life and you chase it around the, the best things you can, and you do the best you can, and, and you, you, you know, without any planning at all, things are going to happen, you know? It's, it's like... What did somebody say? Life is just one damn thing after another. And, and, and that's all I've ever tried to do. And, and, and I've been lucky to be around great people. Um, I'm, I'm married to the same woman, Cecilia. will be 54 years. And she's the person that came up with the title of the book. Um, here's the catch. Uh, because it suggests there's a little bit more. And, and there is a little bit more in there. Um, I had uncles that worked at the medical examiner's office in Baltimore. I had a Chinese grandfather who worked in restaurants around Baltimore and Washington, D.C. And we, we, we lived a, a really interesting life. And, and uh, you know, at the age of, I'm going on 75, looking back on it is like, wow, you, it, this didn't have to happen. Nothing has to happen. I don't believe in fate. I believe... Things happen, and you go to the next thing if you can. Well, it's worked out okay for you, Ron Swoboda. I know that much. It's worked out all right. And, again, the book, Here's the Catch, which is available right now. We'll link it up on our Twitter, at Glenn Clark Radio. Ron, uh, before I let you go, do you have a family member who's never forgiven you for 1969? <laughs> they, they have all forgiven okay, me. Okay, all right. I'm, I'm hey, most hey. of my cousins, uh, I had had an amazing group of cousins when I was growing up and aunts and uncles. And, uh, um, 
I know, you know, like we talked about, they probably rooted for the Orioles and just wanted me to do good and lose. Uh, but uh, they have all, um, all right. uh, allowed me back in into <laughs> into the family circle, and and uh, you know, my roots will always be in Baltimore. Well, we look again. We're 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 happy for you, and we've always loved. Like my my dad even admitted to me when I was talking about it the other day. He's like, "Man, I it's hard for me to not root for Ron Ron Swoboda, but." It wasn't hard in 1969. It wasn't tough then to root against him. Um, well, it, was, it was an amazing time. It really was. And I try to, you know, I'm just, an, like you said, I'm just an average guy who got together with a bunch of guys and we lived the dream. That's and cool. things happened that none of us could have predicted. And the ups and downs of that whole thing, and, then, and more than that, I, I also write a big piece in the book about in 2011, the Met Wives from 1969 created their own reunion in Texas, where Ruth Ryan and Nolan Ryan were, were, you know, working with the Texas Rangers. But Ruth Ryan organized this thing, and these women got together and talked about their lives, which are lost in this whole story. And I That's... interviewed a bunch of them, and, and wow. they opened my eyes in a way that... Uh, I was really grateful for, um, and and it was uh, it, it's part of the book, and it's it's part of the book I'm most proud of because their story never gets told, and and uh, I was happy to do it. Well, Ron, I can't wait to get more into the book, man. Uh, here's the catch again is what it is it's available sure. right now. I know you got a million of these to do this morning. We really appreciate you chatting with us, and I guess we'll forgive you as well here in Baltimore for 1969. Uh, well, Th- bless your soul. Thank you for taking the time for us <laughs> this morning. You. That's great. Glenn Clark is much more forgiving than I am. <laughs> that was just 69 was the worst year in my life at the age of 10 because the Mets beat the Orioles, the Jets beat the Colts, and the Knicks wound up beating the Bullets in the playoffs. It was yeah, terrible. Terrible. Terrible year. <laughs> I'm just wondering how you were 10. I was 10. I was 17. Yeah, okay. I was a freshman in college. All right. All right. Joining us right now is MLB columnist extraordinaire and an old friend of both Craig Heist and myself, and that is the one, the only Richard Justice. Richard, how are you? I was three years old. <laughs> I don't remember that. A likely story. I I, I texted Richard yesterday. I said, what do you think the possibility is of you and you coming on with me and Stan tomorrow morning? He goes, I reckon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I reckon I was at the College Park. I think it was called the College Park Deli. I think I was eating hot dogs and baked beans when Ron Swoboda made that catch. I know I was on Route 1. And that's when they closed the deli. (laughs) Hey, so uh, there's a newspaper story behind that. Uh, My friend Jerry Fraley, who passed away, baseball writer, died two weeks ago. We had a celebration of his life last Friday at the ballpark in Arlington, Texas. And one of the stories that was told was, and the Braves, covering the Braves at the time, he was in in, uh, Dallas the last 30 years, but, uh, and he said the best best sliding catch since Ron Swoboda. And the desk inserted sixth inning, game six, whatever, right. 1969 World Series. And so Jerry, not taking that well the next day, had a reference to Interstate 95 and inserted in there. The Interstate Highway System was developed by President Eisenhower in 1958 to facilitate travel. That's very good. That's, a, that's very a really good. an inside newspaper story. That is a great story. <laughs> how many uh, how many folks were there to, to celebrate the about, life of I Jerry I think there's Fraley. about 300 there, a lot of scouts, a lot of sports writers, a lot of great stories. I mean, the guy, 
guy was a le- legend in the game. We were at an Orioles Braves um, exhibition in West Palm one year, and he we never neither of us ever forgot it because now this could be slightly apocryphal, but what we remember is that Jeff Stone got thrown out for the cycle. <laughs> I believe Stoney got thrown out on every base, and uh, there was another Orioles outfielder who uh, made uh, an error to his going to his left, going to his right, and coming in. So those were not the salad days for the uh, Orioles. Right. We just had Ross Grimsley on the show, and he uh, proceeded to tell oh us. Oh my God! Did he? Did he, Earl love that man in he, in his own Earl way? He he proceeded to tell us a story where. Grimsley was pitching pretty well at the time, but every other starter was horseshit, okay? And he calls him into his office, and they're all sitting on the floor, and Grimsley's on a chair, and Grimsley's confident. He says, you can't knock me. And he's he's bad-mouthing the pitchers. They can't throw the ball over the plate. It's all hittable. And he says, and look at this guy over here. He ain't got crap, but he's getting people out. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know, uh, of that era... Uh, many, many years later, Earl's in his office, and I think it was at the Rangers' old ballpark, and he just starts screaming, like, out of nowhere, ah, the way Earl would do. And, like, what is it? And we looked back at the door. It was Stanhouse. Don Stanhouse had walked up, and Earl's going, I'm having nightmares all over again. <laughs> oh, man, those are good times. Hey, I don't expect that you were at the game, but I just read the uh, – we just celebrated an anniversary on the 14th, which was yesterday. It was 45 years ago that Nolan Ryan had his 235-pitch game. Yikes. That's pretty amazing. 13 innings, I think it was. 13 yeah. innings, yeah. Yeah, you know, he's still – the influence he still has around here is unbelievable. Uh you know, and there was a line Gordon Beard, the great AP writer, used when Brooksy went into the Hall of Fame. Like in New York, they usually you guys know, the New York, they named Candy Bars for Reggie. Here we name our kids for Brooks Robinson. Right. Well, that's true here. That I can't tell you the number of kids named Nolan and Ryan. Kids, pets, everything. And when Justin Verlander pitches, you know, and he's been unbelievable lately, when he's got that strikeout pitch going, he always looks to find Nolan sitting in the stands. And, uh, no one will come up to you and he'll say something like, "Ever tell you about the day I hit bench?" <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, no, I haven't heard that one. In it. <laughs> They're going back and forth, and in the dugout, he says, um, "Who y'all want me to get?" And Enos Cabell says, "I want you to get bench." So he drilled bench, and like two innings later, bench comes up to Cabell comes up to bat, and bench goes, "Hey, why me? What did I do?" <laughs> and Enos goes. That was my idea. (laughs) 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 Wait, one more. Let me a real quick one. Uh, Same thing in Detroit. Billy Martin's managing the Tigers, and Nolan gets pissed, and he says, "I'm going to get the next guy. I'm going to get the first guy up the next inning. I'm going to take care of you guys. I'm sorry about this." And it was Norm Cash. He looks at the line cards. Norm Cash, who's a Texan, and he goes, "Oh, I like him." (laughs) And so before the inning starts, the catcher comes out and goes, "Uh." Norm wants you to know that this was all Billy Martin, and he had nothing to do with it. And would you basically please have mercy on my soul? <laughs> and no one goes, you tell him I apologize in advance for what's about to happen. 
That's classic. Oh, another one. Satchel Paige said to him one time, Nolan, you know what the best pitch in baseball is? And Nolan said, well, yeah, or a well-placed fastball. And he goes, no, Nolan, the best pitch in baseball is a bow tie. And he goes, a bow tie? What's that? And he goes, a pier. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, We're talking to Richard Justice. Sorry to and, let the train get off the truck. Oh, no. Anytime you do that, that's fabulous. Hey, we lost Jerry Fraley, and I'm yep. not saying I was a great friend of Jerry's, but I knew him over the years. Marty Noble passes away. Nick Cafardo. Has there been a time in your career where you've lost so many guys that you knew? No. And, uh, like, I got a text message from Rick Vaughn uh, during spring training that said, Nick Cafardo died today. Yeah. And I kept looking at the text going, what? Right. Like, you can't, you know, you can't get your mind around it. And I was down in Fort Myers a couple weeks later, and it was still raw. I mean, this guy was beloved yeah. in a way you can't even comprehend. And for Peter Abraham, who covers the Red Sox, they were roommates for years. I, I, and I told him, like, I can't even imagine right. what you're going through. It's like a whole... In your in your soul, yep. that's not going to be filled. I mean, Nick was one of those people that everybody loved and respected. You you guys know Brian Butterfield, the um, sure, yeah, now the Cubs infield coach, and like <clears throat> Nick calls, brings him over one day and just says, "This is the kind of stuff what Nick would do," and said, uh, "We got to get this guy a managerial job. He's ready. He's prepared. Nobody's more prepared." And he just like that. That's that's who he was. And Jerry Fraley was like a member of my family, mm-hmm. and for 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 the last thirty years, he was he was the funniest, smartest. He he asked better questions. His writing was he yeah. write, wrote in a kind of a clip style that was just mesmerizing. Um, one of the Rangers broadcasters, Dave Raymond, uh, just did Jerry covered a game May fifth, and uh, wow. and he that day. Dave has his kid around the ballpark somewhere, and um, and they're, they're, the kid's basically a youth baseball player. And Jerry says to the kid, "Hey, you listen to your dad. This guy knows what he's talking about. This guy knows baseball." And Dave like gets emotional, like you know, like he said, "That's like the greatest compliment of my life that this guy who knows every manager, every scout, right. every player." knows the game inside and out, that he would compliment me like that. Like, I'm never going to get a higher compliment. Nice. And I think in the case of, uh, you know, I hadn't seen Marty Noble in a couple of years, but in the case of Nick, in the case of Jerry, I don't think we're grieving just yet. I went to see Jerry like five days before he died. Right. He was out of it by then. Joe West came by the day before. Joe West had been there the day before. And tells you what kind of person Joe West is. Yep. But I don't think there's any grieving in that. You can't comprehend it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. it does. It still doesn't seem real. Yeah. It's funny. Just asking you the question, it hit me because I hadn't thought of Nick mm-hmm. in about two months now. And it's ironic. I'm asking you about it. And normally the Red Sox are in Baltimore now. I would see Nick. I'd say, yep. hey, can I get you on the show in the next couple of weeks? And he'd, he'd say, certainly. And he was such a gentleman. And, uh, uh, just such a brilliant baseball writer. We're talking to Richard Justice of MLB.com. Richard, let's get back on the field. Can you explain to me the new all-star voting system? Because I'm totally lost on it. Yeah, I think what it is, it's going to be two rounds. It's just to get the fans more involved. Right. And we're going to pick a top three at every spot and then have a kind of a playoff. 
and uh, a runoff. And uh, but it's again fan vote, or is that? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Well, no, at the, at the, yeah, <laughs> but by the end of the by the end of the time, the full roster. Those are still, we're talking about the starters, there. right? But then you know, uh, everybody will, the, the guys that deserve to be there most likely will end up being there. Okay, all right. To, to me, it just went pa- it sort of went past me. Well, and, and the, the first round of voting came out, the results came right. out last week, so we'll get another round, I guess, Tuesday of this and week. And it's all online now. Right, it's okay. all online. But yeah, and it's easy to vote. Like, if you want to vote for... Um, Trey Mancini. Uh, Trey Mancini. Yeah. You just Google the name Trey Mancini, and... Uh, and you can the the ballot will come up and you can vote for him. Really, just That's that that easy. Okay, I mean, five seconds. Right, Brandon Hyde was wearing a um, Trey Mancini shirt last week, right. and I was trying to get uh, Kristen Hudak to give me one of those shirts. I haven't had one yet. <laughs> we'll try and get you one well, one of these days. Let me ask you this then. Uh, I'd rather uh, vote for Craig Hyde. Well, yeah, of course, but that'd be a write-in. <laughs> Of the of the third baseman and mark that. out schmuck and write Craig Heist. Yeah. Hey, I like that idea. A couple like years ago, uh, Matt Weeters and, and says, uh, I said, uh, hey, get a second. And he goes, I'm sorry, I'm only going to answer a hundred questions this spring. That was my vow, and uh, <laughs> schmuck just asked 103. <laughs> Uh, let me ask you this. When, when we talk about the uh, all-star voting, you look in the National League, and I know all of the hype across the country is all about Nolan Arenado right. and, and the kind of player he is at third base and what he's done and what he's accomplished at this point. But if anybody has watched Anthony Rendon on a daily basis, how does he not at least show up in the top three in the National League? Um, well, you know, like I've known Anthony since high school. Um, well, I know he's not the biggest self-promoter. <laughs> that would be that would be the understatement of the year. In fact, <laughs> when I see him at the All-Star Game this year, I'm going to go, and you could have been home with the family. That's right, exactly. No, uh, no and question. let me just say one other side note about Anthony. He played at Lamar High School in inner city Houston. He played at Rice University. And what they'll tell you at Rice is, and I know he hasn't always been easy to deal with with the media, but they will tell you, he is the finest person we've ever had play baseball at Rice University. But you know, you know That's what? That's a pretty uh, Lance Berkman played there, who's the, one of the best people I've ever known. Um, that's a that's a high compliment. Uh, I don't know why. I guess it's always been circumstances or something. But um, like he 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 should have been. What did he? I mean, he he was in the MVP conversation last year. Yeah. And I remember two years ago when Altuve won it, the Diamondbacks were in town. I was writing the column. The two MVPs are in the ballpark for this series, Altuve and Paul Goldschmidt. I remember going to Goldie and saying, uh, yeah, I've been writing this thing about how the MVPs are both in this series. And he goes, did Rendon just get traded here? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and you know, but the funny part about what you're saying is he has never been, like you said, real good with the media. That said, if you talk to him one-on-one, he is as, you know, open and – insightful as you could talk to and get from anybody. Yeah. I mean, he really is. He just does not like the attention brought about himself, and he just doesn't like it. No, no, but you're right. Like, if you just approach him one-on-one, mm-hmm. he's one of those guys that listens to your question 
and gives you a thoughtful answer and an honest answer. Like I was talking to him this year about stolen bases. Like, you know, they have a lot of team speed. And I said, now, are you okay with Trey Turner stealing? And, you know, he just went into the different thought processes of it about how he feels about it. Bottom line is, if you can steal, steal. But not you guys know not everybody feels that way about it. It's, it's a distraction to right. some guys. We're talking to Richard Justice. Richard, uh, just uh, wanted to ask you a question about Mike Mussina. And I yep. said, I, let me look up who else is going in. It's a really interesting class. And I thought maybe in our last few minutes I'd ask you to give a snapshot of the top four guys that are going in of the current bunch. Edgar Martinez, Roy Halladay, Mike Mussina, Mariana Rivera. Go. Uh, well, let's start with Mucina. Uh To me, Mucina and Kurt Schilling should have been in three or four or five years ago. When you take into context the era in which they played, mm-hmm. especially in the case of Mucina, the the ballpark in which they played, and the fact, I mean, Mike Mucina's numbers are overwhelming yep. when you look at them. Uh, Roy Halladay had about a 10-year period where he was as good as any pitcher who ever lived. He had, uh, you know, I mean, and again, you have to take in the context of the era in which he played. It was, it was, a, it was a home run. The ballparks got smaller. The strike zone got smaller. The bats and the balls got harder. All of that stuff. I think Edgar Martinez. You know, I think some of the older guys had a, had, a, just were inclined not to vote for a DH. To me, that was a mistake. Uh, and <laughs> I mean, you look at what the impact hitter he was; it was astonishing. And then there's two other guys: Lee Smith, well, yep, Lee uh, Smith, and uh, the Lee Smith and Harold Baines. Yeah, I voted for Lee Smith for a long time. And uh, Jason Stark wrote this, and this is true of Edgar too. He wrote this a couple of years ago. If we're going to have DHs and closers in the game, if those are going to be jobs, then the best of the DHs and the best of the closers ought to be in the Hall of Fame. I agree. There was once when Lee Smith was going to pitch against the Orioles, against the Orioles in a spring game. Jim Dwyer, you guys remember Jim? Sure. He was giving the, his teammates uh, a scouting report on Lee, and this was the, the, the scouting report he gave. Everything he throws is a fastball. And somebody says, wait, what about that slider? And, 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 <laughs> and Jim goes, yeah, don't worry about that. You can't hit that either. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, I, what I resented about <clears throat> the criticism of Harold Baines going in is that it just became, you know, we live in the social media age, the yep. p- political polarization and all that. People were looking for a reason to be pissed off and to, to scream. Yep. Yep. Harold Baines was one of the most professional hitters. Remember, didn't the Orioles try to get him, like, before they actually got him, they tried to get him, like, four years Four years row. early, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's a consummate pro. And when you hear Jerry Reinsdorf and Tony Larissa talk about him, um, I mean, they have him on a platform that not very, a pedestal not many players are on. So does, he, does the raw numbers say belong in the Hall of Fame? I, I talked to the, the historian John Thorne, the baseball historian John Thorne, a lot about this. And he he's a believer in a big hall, and he's a believer in in inclusion, that, inclusion, in notoriety, yeah. and how you're viewed in the game should have a role in the game. I got no problem with Harold Baines going in the hall of fame. Well, I thought it, glad to hear you say that. I, I thought it was really disturbing the way Mad Dog Russo handled that with uh, Tony. with Tony Larusa. Yeah, 
Yeah, well, it's just looking for, and, and Tony could have handled it better, too. But, yeah, yeah, you know, you're right. People look for a reason to get mad today. Yeah, okay. you got that Now we're right. mad. It's the end of the world. Harold Baines got in the Hall of Fame. You know, I heard it with Bud Seeley got in the Hall of Fame. I mean, like, like th- this is the sport, you know, and, and they, they're the reason these committees are set up and to, to get people, you know, to, to, to have a second chance at guys. Yep. And to me, like, if you look at who's on those committees, John Sherholz and, 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 and La Russa and those guys, it's a pretty uh, distinguished group. They, yeah. They're not a bunch of idiots. They know what they're doing, yeah. and they had reason to do what they do. Well, the next time you're on with Mad Dog on High Heat, I want you to reiterate exactly what you told us a moment ago right. in that Messina should have been hey, well, in like... Know, he started yelling at me in 2017 when uh, A.J. took Lance McCullers out of a A.J. Hinch, the yeah. Astros manager, took him out of a game, a postseason game, and it was like the end of the world. This guy screwed up. And what I, my point was, you'd gotten six or whatever innings it was. This kid's had an injury. It was coming off an injury. You wanted to get him out there with a positive feel. Okay, the bullpen melted down. And I was just trying to give the reasons, and he just kept screaming at me. And yeah. then I started screaming back at him. And the Astros pitching coach, Brett Strom, who's just brilliant, <laughs> he comes to me and goes, that guy's a he used the word, yeah. and he goes, and I'm going to send him an email. And I said, look, that's a stick, and that stick's made him a lot, a lot of money. money. Yeah. Well, but, I don't care. I'm sending an email anyway. That's right. But you need to tell him that Messina should have been in the Hall of Fame four or five years before he oh, did. Oh, no, no question. But <laughs> so, he also taught, helped me with Hall of Fame voting. He would, like, go down. Man, one of the things Chris Russo does is he knows he's his stuff. Oh, I need no question. He's at a Hall of Fame season. Yeah. And his thing is you got to have ten before you get in. And it is one good way to look at Hall of Fame voting. Uh, last thing, you you didn't get to Mariano Rivera, the first player in the history of the game to be a hundred percent on the vote. Postseason game logs. I mean, Joe Torre rode that guy. He sure did. <laughs> like like a thoroughbred with a whip on. I mean, it's <laughs> unbelievable the performance he had. And I mean, like to me, the Hall of Fame represents what Mariano Rivera is: the best person, the greatest player. All of that. I mean, is oh there, my gosh! I mean, those his postseason resume along, and you know, Schilling has a pretty good one too. Yeah, it's astonishing how good the guy was. Is there any chance at all that the the veterans committee or whatever it's called right now will ever get around to righting the wrong of Tony Oliva belonging in the? Uh, yeah, you know, there's all those guys, Tony Oliva, and when you mentioned him a year or two ago, I went back and looked. The numbers are there. And I do think there's... Uh, I think I when injuries rob you, uh, it's kind of like Bobby Orr in hockey. Panel, uh, yeah. you know, like a, to sit down like we did with the Negro Leaguers and just correct all the wrongs. Yep. And yep. Tony Oliva was, would be that. Gil Hodges might be one of those yep. guys. There's a couple other coming up. So who just Somebody just didn't get to 5% to stay on. Oh, Lance Berkman. You go yep. look at Lance Berkman's, Berkman's numbers. numbers I mean, are incredible. I voted yep. for Scott Rowland instead. Yep. Uh, but... Um, hopefully some of those second-chance committees take care of those guys. Richard, always a pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on. Give my love to Marty, all right? Thank you. All right, take care. There you have it. He's the best. Nobody better. Nobody better. He he belongs in there. Who? Richard. Well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if Gammons is in there, he belongs in there. And Kenny Kenny and Jason Stark. Yeah. Yeah, and, and stand the fan, and then they'll eventually get. What there. about stand the fan? Well, yeah, Baltimore Hall of Fame exists <laughs> for sure. Dundalk Hall of Fame, Dundalk, Pikesville, <laughs> Pikesville. Um, 
We are going to take our last break, right, real quick, and then we'll come back and say goodbye. This is Ross Grimsley with a reminder to all my baseball friends out there that I'm now part of the Press Box podcast team. Catch my take on the O's and whatever's going on in this great game of baseball. We'll also touch base with some of my old friends and teammates. Tune in every Tuesday morning or listen anytime at PressBoxOnline.com slash Ross Grimsley Show. I like world-famous chicken. You like world-famous chicken. We all like Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Why? Because Royal Farms world-famous chicken's always fresh, never frozen. Because it's hand-dipped in a secret recipe of herbs and spices. Because it's cooked on the spot, right in the store. And because it's the juiciest, best-tasting chicken on the planet. That's why everyone likes Royal Farms world-famous chicken. Western fries, too. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Section 336 here with all your Baltimore sports talk. The Raven season is now done. But the Orioles season is just ahead. We have a new GM. We have a new manager. We have a few new baseball players out there. Reason for optimism. I don't know if you can name any of those new players. And I think we won 40-some <laughs> games last year. Yeah, but I remember a terrible year in 1988 where we were able to turn it around the very next year in 1989. Why not 2019? Why yeah, not? why not? Why not check out Section 336 at Section336.com, Facebook, or on Twitter and iTunes as well. Just search for Section 336. The latest edition of PressBox is available now on the cover. Luke Jackson dives into the options the Orioles have with the number one pick in the MLB draft and the significance of them picking number one for just the second time ever as they're in the throes of a rebuild. Plus, Bo Smolka looks into the Oklahoma connections developing for the Ravens after using two of their first five picks on former Sooners for the second year in a row. PressBox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. The Glory Days Grill-to-Go menu is based on a simple reality. You can't spend your whole life at Glory Days Grill. Your boss wouldn't like it, and neither would your kids or your dog. So come to Glory Days and get your food to go. On your way to soccer practice, or to the office, or to, well, wherever. We know the hardest part of visiting Glory Days Grill is leaving. But at least you take a little piece of us wherever you go. Glory Days Grill. Great food. Good sports. As the weather heats up, the menu at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square cools down. Introducing the all-new Frosted Key Lime, a fun twist on one of America's favorite pies. The new treat is a hand-spun combination of Chick-fil-A's signature ice dream, Chick-fil-A lemonade, and natural sugar-free lime flavoring made from a blend of key limes, coffer limes, and Persian limes. Frosted Key Lime gets its green color from a mix of nutrient-rich ingredients. Download the Chick-fil-A app today, place your order, and get points towards free stuff at our Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square. Plus, if you order using your app, your food will be ready when you get there. Stop by Chick-fil-A in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center at 5198 Campbell Boulevard and tell Steve we sent you. Live Casino Hotel has another great concert on the schedule. Get tickets now to see Boz Skaggs out of the Blue Tour on Friday, June the 28th. Tickets start at $45 and include 
$10 in free slots play. Go to livecasinohotel.com now to get your tickets. And that's a good reminder to give you because we are broadcasting from the Live Casino Hotel Studios. Many thanks to Ryan McGittigan for being in again. Get See what I did there? Hey, a little rhyme. Yeah. for doing it he, again. He's a poet and he doesn't yeah. know it. Don't All quit right. your day job. No. Hey, oh, I like this. Like Scott's this. got gumption. That's right. Um, so. Enjoying his last Scott, show. He's got no job he's now, got but no he's job got now. gumption. Anyway. Hi, Mom. Yeah. Craig Heist uh, <laughs> out to, camp, out to uh, Nats Park. Yeah, we'll be out there today to uh, cover game three of the four-game series against the Diamondbacks with Steven Strasburg on the hill, 405 start. Uh, and, again, this is a, a series. Against Taylor Clark. Taylor Clark, rookie uh, from Ashburn, Virginia. So, again, you wonder what kind of nerves he might have pitching in front of the home folks because I'm sure a lot of family and friends will be there. So, uh, again, a chance for the uh, Nationals to win a game with one of their aces on the hill, and then uh, we'll see what happens. All right, looks like a nice day of weather here in Baltimore. Chris Sale against Dylan Bundy, 405, both of those games uh, on the Masson Family Network. Right. All right. Uh, enjoy uh, the rest of your week, Craig. Right. And then four against the Phillies and three against the Braves between now and Important next games. Sunday. Yep. They're going to be big, big games if this team is going to try to get back into contention in the East. Thanks to Griffin Bass for running our social media machine today. Yeah. And if you have watched us, please like us and share us on Facebook Live. For Ryan McGetty and Craig Heist, I'm staying the fan. I'm ready for and the, the drive. Sh- and the shades look yeah. very good. I'm ready for enjoy. the drive. All right. We'll see you soon. Enjoy Glenn Clark Monday morning at uh, 10 o'clock. Don't forget, Ross Grimsley this week only at 9 o'clock on Facebook Live.